Welcome to another episode of the Goon Squad. My name is Clayton Moore. I'm Trent Ortner. And this is Uncle Tony. What up, Uncle Tony? It's good to have you back, brother. How's New York <laughs> life going? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, we got the Cuomo stuff, we got the de Blasio stuff, so... Uh, he, he, he didn't try to touch you, did he? Um, Cuomo? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not good looking enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, man, that's that's wild. It all it all came at once too, and he he pulled the classic deny, deny, deny. He he's not giving anything up. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it, it it's not a it's not even like a liberal or conservative thing. It's it's no. a generational thing. That that generation was able to get away with things. Now we have smartphones. So what do you? We see everything. Yeah. We know yeah. everything. We yeah, know. It's a new game. We know when celebrities go take a shit. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's just a victim of uh, technology at this point. Yeah. Well, if it's true, then he fucking deserves the shame. Oh, yeah. And, and more than and more than that, allegedly. Yeah. I well, mean, well, for, for him to for him to lose the protection of the Democratic Party, that has to be something. You know, right. They, 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 they protect their own. From, I mean, look, look how many times Biden touches people. I mean. He, he is, he is a, a, a consistent kid toucher when it comes to cameras, like just weird, weird, weird ways of going about it. Yeah. Uh, and the, the interesting thing is the only people I've heard that have defended him at this point are far right uh, news outlets. Really? Yeah. Uh, I won't go into the details, but uh, there's the only people I've seen defend him are the, are those on the far right who are waiting to, they're waiting for a guilty verdict before they chime in. That's odd. That's a, that's an odd take to come from the far right. You would, that they, they have been pretty, pretty be adamant about trashing him and anybody that is regarded in the, in the, in the Democrat party. That's odd. Yeah. And I shouldn't say it's the far right. I would say far right mainstream media. Yeah, like Fox mm. News and others. We won't yeah. go into the others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all want to talk the shit, but we'd rather keep our dignity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll be nice today. Yeah. But um, and th- th- this doesn't go into the recording, but I think it's funny. You know, I, I know you have to have a job, Tony, and it works work, but you were the last person I thought that would work for that place. <laughs> uh, I, if I, I'll, I'll take any opportunity to see how the sausage is made. That's true. That's true. I mean, you're very talented. You, I, you know, I think I think you got a lot ahead of you when it comes into that, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say. Uh, I'm very talented at, at my daytime job, but uh, it's um, it's a job, and uh, you know, you learn a certain set of skills doing what I do, which I think is uh, valuable. That's so important, you, man. Are you are you going to get into doing podcasts now? Um, yeah, eventually, uh, as soon as I can narrow something down. I, I, I here here's my take. I think that you should. Like all of our philosophical conversations, I mean, I think that you would be amazing going that route, trying to, you know, speak about 
the way that the world is shifting because a lot of people, even myself, when we were talking, have had different views that, you know, you've opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that I never would have ever thought about. And I just, your, your vision and your ability to see that is, 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 I I think is honestly life-changing in some ways. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just, uh, you know, I read a lot. (laughs) That's really all it is, but, uh, yeah. I mean, if you uh, look into the way the world's moving and you really want to find out, you know, the information's out there. You just, you just have to seek it out. And it's, it's not going to be, you know, the day-to-day politics. Like you really have to look into philosophy and history. Those are the only two things that are going to guide you in any sort of direction to make any sense of the world. It's not yeah, going to be politics. It's, yeah. That's, that's it. If you, if you're, you know, looking in the right direction, everything that's going on right now starts to make a lot of sense and it, it becomes very, you become comfortable with the way the world is and it's not so scary they weren't it, it, lying it, when they said that history repeats itself right that's that very was, true that was going to be my point yep. is you know if you just read back in history it, it, it's always portrayed in a different manner but the patterns and the parallels are there yep yeah it's i mean human it's, nature. It, it's a it's the same mathematical equation just the numbers change yeah I, that's a good way to take put it I, absolutely I mean, you look like I, I, I've been talking about this recently, like back in, in Nazi Germany before World War II, Goebbels, the propaganda minister, wanted was very, very, very big and really made it happen that they, they put a radio in every every German family's house. Yeah. And yeah. At that point, they could control the narrative that, you know, they didn't have the frequencies to reach all of the other outside stations. So, you know, the, the, the German public radio could spout out whatever they wanted and everybody was going to hear it. Like we're seeing that again, but on a much more complex form. Yeah, I uh, actually I, I was writing about uh, the radio and the similarities and differences between Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Adolf Hitler and this new medium, the radio, and how powerful that message was because it was, like you said, in everyone's household. Like you can really rally a cause. You can really drum up, uh, you know, a, a citizen, a citizenry when right. you have a medium that, it's that powerful today it's different because the radio is a one-way medium it's right. it's one directional there's not a conversation so today with social media it's two directional it's the information goes out but it's also has a reaction which is far different than radio so it makes it, that that's why it's, it's so much more divisive right now Back right. then, it was one information because of all of the re- the reactions. Because everybody's getting being able to input their their voice into everything. You know, like the top people that have millions and millions of subscribers, people still comment on there, and there's comment strings of that people that that, that aren't even involved get to see. Like somebody could be like, "Oh wow, cool." And then 16 other people could comment on something adverse to that. And then you have a whole string of different arguments going on at once. Yeah, that's, you know, that's new. This is where I, this is where I almost, I almost want to give up sometimes. My nihilistic side tells me that people would rather armchair 
well, they would rather be armchair politicians and every other profession out there that you could imagine than actually going out and doing something about whatever it is that is plaguing them. And that's, that's unfortunate. You know, um, if people realized it, they would say, Hey, wait, if we don't like this, we could just simply change it. You know, it's, it's not as impossible as society thinks it is. No, but you have to get out and do something. And I'm not talking, you know, advocating it for it is great, but you have to actually go forward and play the game to win the game. And that's the biggest problem with the movement that I'm involved with is, you know, we have all these people coming up with great ideas and, and ways to fix things, but nobody wants to take the time outside of the chat rooms to come up and actually, you know, do something meaningful out in the public. And that's something that we've been trying to change. And we've been, we've had great success at it so far. And Clayton has, some really good things that he's doing in his community that, you know, nobody has done and nobody is, is doing. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 cause it's, it's not, it's when you're building a digital town square, it's not localized to one area. So getting out and doing something in physical space becomes a lot more difficult. You need, you know, like if you have supporters in Portugal and Canada and Mexico and France and, Japan, whatever, you know, like the town square is the whole world at this point. So getting something done in physical space is much more difficult, but it's not impossible as if, if your message is uh, strong enough, but that's, you need both at this point. I feel like that could be perceived as a pro for these so-called metaverses that people are working on. Namely, Facebook is creating a metaverse. Mm-hmm. What that is, is a combination of social media, augmented reality, and um, virtual reality. Did I misspeak? Is that the three? That, that sounds right. If, if, if I'm wrong, somebody reach out and, and go ahead and slap me upside the head. If you're listening no, I, I think you hit the head, honestly. You know, and the, the problem with a lot of social media that we've run into is they're censoring people. So you're only getting a part side of the, of the view anymore. You're in, you know, they, they label these people as extremists right? or whatever the case may be when it, all it is an opposing side of view of, of the common theme going on. Right. So now what's going to happen when um, all these people are canceled out of the metaverse? Yeah. The way that things are looking right now, uh, we're in a constant state of quarantine almost, right? Mm-hmm. We were in and out. We are in and out of lockdowns for the, since the beginning of 2020. Um, and, the, and the point of this discussion is not whether or not it's warranted or not. It's just the point is that we're starting to become sucked into technology. And whatever your opinion on that is, what happens when you get canceled from the metaverse? Are you, it's, it's almost as if you would be banned from participating in technology. Yeah, and you think it, about that because when the metaverse begins to dominate technology, that's all people will be doing. People are, are already glued to their phone screens, scrolling through their news feeds, sending Snapchats, <clears throat> tweeting the random thoughts they have during the day, and all that is fine and dandy in moderation. But as we get sucked in, we start to lose all these critical. Uh, skills, personality traits, and attributes that really define us as individuals that are part of a greater society. 
we need to hold on to those unique things for as long as we can. And as a matter of fact, I think more people should be advocating for that, that aspect of culture, because what's that, what's that classic movie theme that we've seen over the decades? Um, the fear that AI and robots will take over the human race. Are we really, are we really that far off from it? It, it appears that everybody is a slave to their phone already. Yeah, I think um, to speak to the first part of what you were saying, um, Guillaume Deleuze, he's a philosopher who, from the 1960s, he, he, he wrote a paper called The Postscript to Societies of Control, which was a, a postmodern philosopher, Foucault, wrote about the difference between a uh, disciplined society and a control society. And he, he realized that, you know, back in the medieval times, you would get uh, punished out in the open in front of everyone. You got hung in front of the, in the town square. You got, you know, you, you got your head and arms stuck in the wood plank. And that was the society of discipline. And then we moved from the society of discipline to the society of control where everything gets removed from the town square and everyone's punished behind the scenes and people disappear, people go into jail and everyone is rehabilitated, blah, blah, blah. And what Deleuze said is, and this is before the internet. He said, we've moved away from that society of control and we're into something new where we, the censorship and control is now within inside our bodies where we are self-censoring ourselves because everything we do now is on display for the world. And rather than having the police lock you up in jail, you are already locking yourself up into a form of jail or school. Like you're, you're already disciplining yourself so that the authority figures don't have to do it. And, you know, another, another piece of that, that like he didn't mention is, and it, it, it's something that is new is uh, disenfranchisement of people, you know, you, these people that, you know, that go to jail for nonviolent crimes or for violent crimes or drug charges or whatever, they do their time and they, 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 they pay their dues. But then when they get out, they're still, they're still disenfranchised. They, they don't, they're not able to vote. They're not able to own firearms. So, you know, that's the, the you know, they, they, they mandate uh, taking away a first and second amendment rights right off the bat. You know, you can go and speak out publicly, but you have no way to vote and to express yourself and who you want to represent you. And I, you know, I, I feel that, that, you know, violent criminals should, should, should be on that list still. I, I think that people that murder somebody and, or people that are sexually abusive to somebody or in any way sexual, I think, you know, that's a different story because you'll see a lot of repeat behaviors in that, but drugs and nonviolent crimes, 60% of our, of our prison population are for drugs. Yeah. Yeah. The war on drugs was that completely changed the game on everything. Like there, there are criminals and then there's nonviolent criminals and there's drug criminals. Like the fact that they're able to, get society to kind of look at them as the same thing and put them in the same place and punish them the same way is it's uh it's going to be something they'll look back in, in future decades and, and really shake their heads at like, it, and it, I, I agree. Yeah. And I think that not having people 
being able to return to society rehabilitated, I think that needs to be the focus on, on prison is being able to get somebody, re-engineer somebody back to being able to act as a, as a citizen. Drug charges don't have anything to do with that. Most drug charges are either possession or people are trying that are in low income areas are trying to survive. You'll see a lot of the prison population being African-American because you'll see a lot of African-Americans in the low income areas in our country not being able to live and not being able to do so. They, 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 they turn to, you know, a, a, an already in place system of drug trade. Mm-hmm. And that fucks them over for the rest of their life. And then they get out of prison and they have this felony hanging over their head on top of already being in a low income area. They have no way to to live because your background checks dictate what kind of job you can ever have. And that goes to another thing of disenfranchisement is it, it's modern day slavery. It keeps people in place. It keeps people doing what specifically the government wants you to do. And you have no say and no way to do it. Yeah, you have very specific roadblocks, and you also have a very specific set of skills when you walk out of jail, and where do you think you're going to go from there? You think you're going to go become a a lawyer? No, you have a certain set of skills that you had before jail that got honed and better in jail, and now you have the roadblocks to keep you from other things, so you're going to go right back into that system. And, you know, what sucks is, you know, a lot of prisons are trying to introduce and push this college and prison thing. You, you get a degree in prison, you get out, you're still not going to be able to get the job that you just went to, went to college for because they do background checks and your degree is worthless. Yeah, you need, it needs to be a work program, some, something in, in that form. There is, there is um, restorative justice is is one alternative that I know people are looking at where, um, you know, you have the victim or the victim's family and the, the, the criminal and they go to court together and they, they hash it out together. There's, there's multiple forms of it, but basically restorative justice is where you kind of hash out the whole problem with the people who got victimized and the victimizer are there together dealing with the problem. It's a long way from ever becoming anything, you know, implemented, but I, I do think that's an alternative option. It would be a great alternative if we could get our government on board, but the way that our government's going right now, they're becoming even more tyrannical in the way that they, they suppress people and you're not able to, they, they, they want to single out and move people into certain categories. I can speak personally, like, I just had the FBI threaten me last Friday that it, I need to watch what I say online and watch what I say in my speeches. Um, well, they're not wrong. But, <laughs> I'm just but I mean, I mean, they're, they're, they're I, I, I know that they're trying to, to circumvent what I'm preaching out because it goes against what they are hired to do. Yeah. Well, then it, that just means that uh, something's resonating. So, and that's how I took it, and and uh, and it, that gives you an opportunity to figure out in a, a way to finesse what you're doing. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, you're gonna say we were talking a lot, Clayton. What do you have to say? No, you actually. Um, <laughs> you probably saw my mute button going on and off, but every time I turn it off, you had just said what I was gonna say. So. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that was that was great. You took the words right out of my mouth, man. Um, a, 
the system works against people who have just been released from an institution after being institutionalized uh, and B, you, you were just, you were on the money, man. No need to repeat what you said. Um, well, I, I, here's another story that I, I was, I, I, I have a brain injury, so I can't drive. So I take Uber a lot. And I just, I took an Uber from a, a, a guy on Friday named uh, Charles Johnson. And he was a black man. And we were talking about the stuff that I do um, with my, with our organization and what I've been doing. And we got onto the subject that there was a guy here in Waco that was wrongfully accused of rape that he spent 30 years in prison. And then once technology caught up, they went back and checked the case out and they found out that he was innocent. So they released oh. him and they compensated him with like $500,000. That's but it. Problem, I know. Right. The problem that remains with that is he's been institutionalized for 30 years. He, and you want to put him back in society. He doesn't, un, you can't just move that type of person and change them back to being a everyday oh. citizen. He, the institutionalization has ruined him. So he ended up going back to prison for stealing something from Dollar General. Yeah, it's it's, a it's unbelievable. And it, they're they're not they, they have they have no voice. That had that, I guarantee you that has happened thousands of times in our. Country. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, easily, easily, way past that probably. If I if I oh, were to yeah. estimate. That's a low. That's a low guesstimate. I, I absolutely agree with you. It could be because I mean we're looking at the total prison population. I think is like 1.6 million people in, in America. Texas has the sixth highest prison population in the world. We have the highest as as a, as a country. Yeah, right. It's not even close. Either. I mean, like for, for for being a free country, we have more people in prison than China does. You know, and that's, well, let's that's let's let's not trust China's numbers. Okay, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'm not going to trust way China's more numbers. than that. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never trust a number allegedly. Yeah, but nonetheless, yeah, it's it's an anomaly. There's there's certain thing, certain characteristics that America has. Some are ba- some are bad and some are good. You know, it's it's gun violence, gun ownership. Uh, police imprisonment, like there's, there's a lot of things that we're outliers on. And it, it uh, in my mind, I mean, uh, the prison thing irks me, but I, it does give us a sort of swagger and a, a personality that we do have on the world stage that really uh, makes us unique. How, in, in what way? I'm confused. Uh, like just gun, gun ownership, gun violence, and pr- like we're just, we're still cowboys. Nobody well, you wants know, to the, fuck the, with the, us. Yeah. <laughs> the, whole, the whole gun violence thing, you know, statistics are there, but for the most part, most gun violence are people defending themselves. And yeah. the, 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 and the, the gun violence that you see in the media are cherry-picked to make it appear that it, it's, it's more prevalent than what it actually is. And it, 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 it gives that stigma because it does on the world stage. People, like, like you said, America's out cowboying out, being, you know, fucking shooting guns at everybody. But yeah. a good piece about our country when it comes to guns is we have more guns than any other country in the world and civilians. And that is yeah. the only thing that is keeping us from the from the government just completely consuming us. Exactly. It's it's a it's a trade-off, you know. We have we have more gun violence, but we also have the most freedom. Like it's it I just it they all add up both the negative and the positive to a very specific uniqueness that America has on the world stage. Right. Not right. all of it's good, not all of it's bad, but it is. It, it has. It's a, a unique 
personality that that America has. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'll I'll go back to what I said, and um, I'll humble myself for a moment here. Uh, I, I did say nobody wants to fuck with us. That is <laughs> that is that is hey, arguably untrue. Uh, they fuck with us in other ways. We have many weaknesses as a country. Oh yeah. Um, the way that we have irresponsible, well, the government has irresponsibly spent our tax dollars is numero uno on my list there. I've said it a million times. Y'all are tired of hearing it, but I'm going to say it again. USDebtClock.org. I love telling people about that website because whenever I show somebody in person to look at that and they look at it, their eyes are just, they become like golf balls. <laughs> what is it again? usdebtclock.org oh, yeah. it's a live depiction of the national debt and everything that's tied to it most closely yeah and we have you, that we have a we have uh in new york city yeah union square we have the big sign and it shows the debt clock moving so it's you insane. probably know that they took it down or covered it or whatever and then people forgot <laughs> because the debt had gone up, so they thought it wasn't a problem. Or well, <laughs> they ran the out debt of space. was reducing. They did run out of space, but at <laughs> one point the time the debt was reducing, so they covered up the clock or whatever they did with it, thinking it was irrelevant. And when the debt started increasing again, <laughs> they were like, "Oh shit, we better we better put that back up there." Yeah, yeah. I mean, the debt issue i don't know money at its most fundamental level is it's a uh, collective story we believe in i think that's the most foundational way to look at money and as long as we're believing the story as long as everyone believes in jesus christianity is going to exist like as long as we believe in the dollar money is going to like exist right right as long as nobody comes and wants, you know, is trying to cash in their receipts. And China has a lot of receipts. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, 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 <laughs> that's, that's the scariest one. That's the problem that I, I've been, I've been like rolling around in my head is now that the, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a long string, but I'll get to where I the, the original point. So now that the eviction moratorium has been lifted, Regardless of there, there's one fifth to one fourth of the country that could possibly risk be at risk for eviction, and regardless of if they didn't have the money or there are people that did have the money and they just spent it on TVs or bullshit. Regardless, though, that same amount of people that are presently risking being kicked out of their house. And Waco here, they tried to evict the guy and he shot the person, and then the cops yeah. came and, and shot him. But you know that's I I see that being that becoming a common theme in the country is people being scared of losing their their homes and if they do lose their homes and if we lose that many people that or that many people lose their homes that's about 70 million people and you have 70 million people that are homeless um and from there they are rolling around on whatever money they could possibly get or they're selling off their their retirement or whatever the case may be and then you come to a point to where the dollar gets devalued with inflation soon. Like we're, we're going to come to a point where inflation is going to kick in. And at that point, you have China who's like, you know what? We could, we could hit them hard with a punch and call in all of our loans. 
just like yeah. what happened in Germany in the 20s. America called in all of the loans after Germany had a, had a, a great time in, in 1929. And then from there, it was a boom, right into the Depression. Yeah. So just to put things into perspective for all you listeners out there, the 2020 to 2021 federal poverty guidelines state, and this is according to the Office of the Assistant Secretary for Planning and Evaluation of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Um, Sorry, of HHS. Uh, The number for one person, for a one-person household with a gross annual amount of $25,520 coming in, that's gross, right, for taxes, that is the poverty line for a single person. And now you add... Wait, say that again? For a single person household, a gross annual amount of $25,520 is the poverty line. Mm -hmm. And for each additional person, you will add $8,960. So for a two-person household or family living in a house, it would be $34,480. Three forty-three thousand four hundred forty, and so forth. Now, while collecting max unemployment benefits, which is uh, about four hundred eighty dollars, plus three hundred dollars, which is the stimulus benefit that everybody was getting with their unemployment, it would be forty thousand five hundred sixty. Now you take that away, and you're left with twenty-four thousand nine hundred sixty dollars. Okay. Now, what did I just say? The poverty line is for one person, 25,520. And it gets worse after that with another person in the household. The, let's see here, the national, um, where did I write it down here? Based on a 40 hour work week with a 52 week work year and not accounting for taxes with $15 an hour, that's $31,200. So I would like to look at those people that are arguing against that and say, what the fuck, dude? Because it takes about $233,000 to raise a child to age 18. So do the math, y'all. And uh, go look up that uh, those 2020 to 2021 federal poverty guidelines and tell me how it adds up. Is it really acceptable? Do they have like an approximation of who falls underneath the poverty line? Hmm. I mean, find that out. I would say in in New York City, if you make less than a hundred thousand dollars a year, you're you're close close to poverty. Like the U.S. poverty rate has surged over the past five months, with seven point eight million Americans falling into poverty. Thirty. Yeah, I looked it up. Thirty four million as of twenty nineteen. As of twenty nineteen. Okay. Yeah. That's even worse. Uh, child poverty is, is what I like to measure it by because when people talk about, um, you know, lazy, lazy people wanting to collect unemployment, I get, you know, I, I do not have, I'm married, no kids, but I, I do get a little defensive when people say that because it's like they're generalizing uh, Americans and that's not right because as we all know, Americans are it's, 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 it's not a melting pot. It's, it's a puzzle board. 
It's like it's like if you took a puzzle a puzzle board and you mixed the pieces up. The, you know, we don't blend together. We're individuals. Everybody's unique yeah. and they have unique situations. In, in yeah. Ohio alone, there's 20% of children who are living in poverty. 20% of children in Ohio and in Nash, nationally, it's 12.8 million children. Okay? That's is that acceptable? And it costs it costs us out of our tax dollars about seven hundred billion per year in health and crime costs. So, yeah, you know, you is... want to talk about being conservative? Attacking welfare is not the goal. Um, yeah, yeah. This look at is it from a, a different perspective. I'm sorry, this... Tony. You go ahead. No, no. But this is like this is a, a uniquely capitalistic problem where. Uh, capitalism, uh, I've spoken to Trent about this a number of times. Capitalism is an emergent, beautiful, beautiful, brutal, brutal efficiency machine. And there's certain parts of society where that sort of brutal efficiency needs to be removed so that we can inject humanity into that area. And that's why, like, I'm, 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 a, I'm a capitalist. I, I think capitalism is great. But there are certain sectors of society where this brutal efficiency, this, this mechanical system, it, it can't be the primary engine for it, whether it's uh, for children, for uh, elderly, these people who can't, make their own wealth like we have to have these systems in place and it's not socialism it's not communism it's basic just human dignity these people are living they're alive and we can't pretend that that they can pull themselves up by their bootstraps it's that's insane we have to have systems that work so that these and and older societies, even China, they have like these kinship hierarchies within their own family, where you know they have three, four generations that all live in one household and they take care of each other. We don't have that in America. We need to figure out whether it's it's a, a, a system through the government, whether it's this, uh, cutting off capitalism from certain system, whatever it is, we need to figure that out because it's inhuman. I, I, I've been, I've, you know, you've helped me into this too, Tony. I, I've been, been moving towards the more livestock type of uh, of uh, economic system. You know, I, I there are, I, I do believe, you know, regardless of if you're like taxes or, or theft, blah, blah, blah. You know, taxes, regardless of how, they need to redo the tax structure and where the money goes. If they did that, yeah, yeah, yeah. put it into places where, you know, you could, you could affect people in poverty. Like African Americans, are twenty percent of African Americans are in poverty. Twenty six percent of uh, of Native Americans are live in poverty. That's almost uh, thirteen million people, almost fourteen million people. Sorry, that that are are in poverty and require uh, government assistance. And you can't just shit on those people because you think your taxes are worth theft. I'm sorry, you just can't. Yeah. And you and the way that our our it goes back to like what we were talking about with disenfranchisement. A large portion, I, I would say a very large portion of those 
African-Americans that are in poverty are affected by disenfranchisement and they don't have any other way to do it. You know, it's just, you just can't, you're stuck in this consistent cycle of, of families being caught in poverty and having kids, those kids being caught in poverty. You know, they have this, there's a study that talked about, you know, that the white and black people going to college and who, who prospers more, um, and who, who has more savings every year. And it's consistently white people do because black people are always going back and helping their families that are living mm-hmm. in poverty. Um, so you yeah. get, you get one or two people out of a family that, that get their degree and start doing well for themselves. You still have 15 or 10 that are, that are stuck in poverty that you can't just, you can't just write off. That's family, family's family. You never, you never do that. Mm-hmm. And it's just we, we have we have to come to a place where we can, where, where people are open to fixing things and not just shit talking on the internet about things that don't don't really a, a lot of people aren't that doesn't even affect them like people that are Americans living in other countries that are talking shit about our our economic system and wanting to run for office but they don't even live in America you know I'm not gonna speak to who that is but. Um, it's where some, somebody that everybody knows, I mean, it, it's just asinine to be able to even hold that argument when you don't participate in it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, money and the economic system, these are human inventions that we've created. They're subjective systems. They're not objective systems. And if they are not exactly. working, if they are not working to help humans, then they are, they're, they're failing. These, these, these sort of invented systems, if they're not helping humanity, then what the fuck did we invent them for? Like money needs to work for humans. Humans don't need to work for money. Like that's, that's the bottom line. Like we, we invented That's an amazing way to put that. It's an, it's, it's a beautiful system. But if we start thinking that money is, it, we have to work for money. This invented thing that he, it's all in the human mind, and not that money needs to work for us. Then, then we're, lo- then we're in a losing game at that point, and we have to and, keep that in mind. And think, think about all the people that live in poverty and don't ever get a chance to express their intelligence. Like I could, I, I guarantee you, there are fucking millions of people that that don't ever get the chance to ever progress as humans. So, you know, and us as, as, as a culture, stepping on those people and not giving them a chance to be productive and be people that contribute back to society is a big problem, too. Yeah. But uh, capitalism has been the greatest system of lifting up poverty in human history. So we, we can't just bash capitalism. It, it, it should be fine. We should be again, looking at it as this is a system that should benefit humans, but so far it is by far the greatest invention for getting people out of poverty in human history. Yeah. So we got to give it props for what no, it is. No, it, 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 pure capitalism is absolutely perfect, but the way that it, it gets corrupted in this, in the sense that, you know, we have, we, we don't, we don't uplift our, our brethren. We don't uplift the people around us. We are focused solely on ourselves 
as a, yeah. as a total as, as you know culture wide i'm not just speaking for you know myself or like you know not be not being able to, to stand up for other people that aren't you is a big reason why we are at a point where people are so divided and wanting to one group wants to wants to do go one extreme way and one group wants to go the other extreme extreme way that's again another very distinct characteristic of America because we're uh, we're a nation of immigrants, right? And that goes then you know that goes to you know our our immigration policy now, which is bullshit. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't be you know imprisoning people that are tr- trying to come to America. But, you know, the, the biggest argument that I've heard about people people that are illegal immigrants is well they don't pay taxes. They can't pay taxes because they don't they don't have an identifier like a social security number where they can legally go in and pay taxes. They go pay taxes. They get kicked out of the country. We have to develop a new way of, of citizenship where we're able to give people citizenship easier than just making them jump through hoops that one, they don't understand. And two, that they're not economically, they're not able to do it. Yeah. Get the it's kids out of the cages, man. Biden's a fucking piece of shit. <sighs> he he's he's been in office for what six months now, and he hasn't he hasn't done he's made it worse. It's been bad, man. Um, who built the cages is is a valid rebuttal, in, in my <laughs> opinion. Um, it's all done do, with Trump. Trump did it. it I think it started I, with Trump, and it ended <laughs> with Trump leaving. <laughs> no, no, for real though, I. I, I said, what did what did he call them? Those those are just overflow facilities. He said he said something to that. Biden said something to that effect. And um, you know, it's you see those Anakin memes, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's like you're gonna you're gonna free the kids in the cages, right? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> And so, that's 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 the reality of our situation the rest yeah. of the world if i have any international listeners trust me there are people here that believe if you don't like where you are you should be able to go somewhere else and i'm one of those people absolutely so and you you two fellows seem to think the same way uh, and, you know, another part of it with the immigrants is people talk shit about, you know, their work, you know, their, what they're doing. But those oh immigrants God. that come from third world countries are willing to do the jobs that most Americans are too good for. Some yeah. of these countries, they're doing them when they're like six years old, seven years old, as young as, you know. It's yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, uh, a very interesting uh, thing I was, I was looking into uh, a couple of weeks ago is just the difference between the immigration problem in the United States and the immigration problem in Europe. Mm-hmm. And Europe has a far, far bigger racial problem than America does. Yeah. They are unbelievably racist to immigrants. They, it's a drop in the bucket compared to what America deals with, and they are losing their goddamn minds. And it's again, my my statement always is is America has the biggest race problem, but we're the least racist nation in the world. Yeah, we're we're dealing with it, and we have been dealing with it. It's ugly. It looks gross. Has our family member had any issues in Europe? Me? No. Has has our has our family member had any issues in Europe regarding something like that? Or no, no. I'm talking about. like 
Sudanese and Syrian refugees. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. Just and, the, and, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have Syrians that are trying to come through Turkey, and they're complete, and they're living in in camps, and yeah. you know, they're getting blockaded. And Germany's trying to let people in, and then because Germany's trying to be the I'm not a Nazi anymore, and they are <laughs> the biggest your your like uh european union member like they are the european union right like, angela merkel is more powerful than hitler ever thought he could be and so they're trying to do the we're not racist anymore move and the rest of europe is getting really pissed off about it and at the end of the day it just kind of goes to show like our problem is it's a good problem because we're we're working through these things. We're dealing with them. We're addressing them, and we're being honest about it. Like we're we're moving in the right direction in America. And you know, my my biggest complaint about about people who, when they hear the term "open borders," um, there are people out there who react so negative negatively to it, and you know, they, the whole oh, we got to keep the wall argument starts to come up. But, you know, what I say to that is these, some of these, well, most of the people who are coming here are doing something to contribute to our society. I can't honestly say that there aren't criminals who are interested in coming to the USA because that would be untrue. There are. But an overwhelming majority of these people will never collect Social Security, but they're putting in like 70 to 80 hour work weeks. You know, it's... It's unfathomable what a disgrace it is that there are people living here who are benefiting from these people who are just trying to do an honest job and feed their families. They're reacting to them like they're filth. It's fucking infuriating. It is. It really is. And let's be honest, none of us are going to see Social Security. No, probably not. It's going to fucking run out by the time I'm 35. (laughs) That's that's a little generous, too. Again, Money is invented by humans. It's a system invented by humans. We need to make sure that it's benefiting humans. We'll see social security. We, we just need to tweak, tweak a few things. On, pa- on paper, it doesn't look like it. But again, as long as we keep these subjective systems working for humans and not humans working for it, we'll be okay. We, do, we need to get more different people in office. Like we we need to like we keep voting in the same shitheads every fucking four and two years. They you know we need to change the the uh, the laws regarding ballot access. It, it's it, it it's it, it's a money game when it comes to be, people being able to run for president. Like you have to accumulate. I think it's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or five hundred thousand signatures to be on the ballot for president. You know. <laughs> yeah. Those- but those 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 sorts of changes happen organically. We are going through again. We've had this discussion a few times, but the medium is the message. Right. We are moving from a television society to a digital social media society, and everything about society has to adapt. So the television society that we understood with. Uh, JFK and Lyndon Johnson for the Democrats in the 60s and then Ronald Reagan and Bush in the 80s, that sort of Democrat and Republican can't exist anymore. 
Right. You've seen that change with Donald Trump on the Republican side. And Biden is still a television Democrat, but we will see a Bernie Sanders or whatever the next incarnation of that. They, they have to adapt. It's, it's not like us forcing them to adapt. They well, must adapt to these. Right. These right. But you're, 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 you're asking the same two, two spectrums of the, the political sphere to adapt. There's not, there's no other, other We're option. Not, yeah. You, you're not, you're not getting any people that want to like the Ron Pauls or the people that have differing views to, to run. They can't, it, it's hard for them to run. Like it, that's something that we experience in the libertarian party all the time is getting ballot access and get and like you know with our last presidential candidate the the, the r's and the d's refused to, to debate with her like they they wouldn't like they were they wouldn't even let her on the stage and yeah. the, the one time that they did they didn't show up yeah so that's um so i think there's there's two different things uh with that one is access for third parties which uh, that that's that's a different thing to deal with, and then there is the just the natural adaptation that the political system in general needs to move towards. If the Republicans and the Democrats don't adapt to digital media and social media, they won't exist. They'll right. find something new. But what you're saying is like they're still shutting out the Libertarian Party. They're still shutting out third party options like there there shouldn't just be one two or three parts there should be fucking 10 different parties yeah like you know look at the european model where they have coalitions of different parties working together yeah that that's that's where we need to start moving towards we need to have all these different voices and these different spectrums of people that are aren't represented that's something that our organization has been has is starting to attack is the last 12 years, 37 to 41% of the country that voting age haven't voted. This last election, that equated to 90 million people that didn't vote. That's 90 million people that could have voted and beat both candidates if they had voted one way. But that's 90 million people. The, 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 the reason behind that is those 90 million people don't like either one of the candidates and they don't like either one. So they don't and they don't have any other choice. There's no other other real choice for them. And Preach. yeah, and that's what we, that's where we, we're trying to go with our organization is finding these people that are and you know a lot of the statistics I've been doing is you see you see in the urban areas that they're they're largely Democrat, but in these urban areas you also you're also running into twenty and thirty percent of the people that are in these urban areas aren't voting at all, and that equates to millions of people like in New York City and L.A. Really? and right. And so it's exactly perfect example. And, you know, so, yeah, the Democrats do lead when it comes to people voting. But as far as the, them equating to the actual amount of people that have their voice, that's so much lower. And yeah. that, that's where we're trying to attack and start going after is trying to find another option. It doesn't have to be libertarian. We're not we're not specifically libertarian. A lot of us have views. Like I said, I, I consider myself a, a like a, a libertarian socialist to a degree. I I think there's I think there are some social programs that are great and work well with our with our system, and it wouldn't be hard to develop into that from where we're at right now. I think the big the biggest thing that you're getting at, 
and what everyone kind of needs to understand, there's, there's a political spectrum that goes from liberal to conservative. And so many people think it's, again, this black and white Democrat or Republican, but this is a very long spectrum with a lot of different nuances. And the thing we, the nut you have to crack is that it's not just one or the other. You have to, people need to understand that there's nuances to this and that, right. you know, there's sort of just one this side or that's it. And I think people are understanding that at this point. Like I, I do think social media and, uh, digital media has cracked that nut for us. Like we don't see things, younger generations don't see things as black and white as the boomers do. Right. We don't see it that way. Donald Trump got elected. He's not a Democrat or a Republican. He is outside of this paradigm that we have in our heads about politics. He ran as a Republican, but goddammit, he's not a Republican. <laughs> like <laughs> he's something else. And Bernie Sanders is something else. There's a lot of those. Andrew Yang. There's and I think it, it's just gonna take a little bit of time. Like Andrew, Andrew Yang Yang could could fix his 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 platform and develop. I think he could be a really good uh representative for for I, I I there's a lot of stuff that I like, but he seems he doesn't he, seem he, he trying to get it. Yeah, he, he had the right plat he had the right stances and then he dove into the old black and white. He, he got he got turned. He had he yeah. had you yeah. know he got pressured by the money. people that yeah. were, were putting him up, you know. Yeah. He need, he needs to stick get away from that and go back to what he really believes. Yep. And you can do that now. You can right. do that, and so many people don't think you can. No, it, it's true. And that speaking about our organization, like we, we have the opportunity to get money from donors that are large and we're working to do that because and they're neither one of them are Republican or Democrat. There's tons of organizations in this country that want to fund a third, fourth or fifth party, but they don't. It, it, it's, it's so all across the board that nobody can decide on what is or who is the appropriate person for that. The best thing to do is to do a topic by topic and like get funding from people based on what they believe, pro-abortion, anti-abortion, pro, uh, pro whatever it is, back and forth and, and get donations based on topics and not based on party. I think that's the best way to go about it. So um, you're talking about money here. The 2020 election amounted to approximately $14.4 billion in spending by all participants. Uh, in 2016, it was, it was almost $7 billion. Looking at a graph here, there, there aren't exact numbers. Um, and it goes down from there going backwards in time. Wait, so it was, but, four, it was seven, $7 billion and then it doubled? For 2020, yeah. wow! Yeah. Even, that makes sense, but <laughs> God damn it! But but what? But okay. So the point that I'm trying to make here is that um, both people in the R's and the D's will say that you know, well, I'll I'll dumb it down. Rights for me and not for thee, right? You know, they all want their own things, but they also have a lot in common. Why don't you forget all that bullshit? 
and say, hey, you know, let's agree to disagree and fuck these guys with their $14 billion election yeah. because they're not acting in anybody's interests but their own. No. Wake up and smell the coffee, America. Let's get it together and get our shit straight and figure out collectively that this shit ain't working and doubling the spending on the next election is just going to lead to more debt and disappointment overall fucking bullshit. <laughs> but you know, you know what's scary about that point too is that amount of money, you know, it, they, they outspend any other candidate like by far, like out of, Immensely. Like, out of reach. What do we have for the Libertarian Party? I think we spent a few million, right? Yeah, I, I, I've been talking to Spike's campaign manager, and he said that they're 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 actually this next go around. I think that they're going they're they're finding outlets for money, and it's it it sounds like it's it's possibly you know it's possible. I I don't want I don't want to say more than I'm supposed to, but. Either way, like we've moved away from the hierarchical model of society to decentralized form of society. And as long as you understand this new deform or decentralized form of, of moving things around, you'll be fine. Like I don't see these two parties being able to hold on to power in this new climate. I just I, I can't imagine and that's what we're fighting for. Like, yeah. well, that, that, that is our cause. If history tells us anything, it's impossible for them to hold on to this black and white Republican. You look, I mean, whether it's fake news, uh, I mean, you, you, could, you can see it everywhere. Even, you could even look at like uh, Wall Street bets and the GameStop thing with the stock market. <clears throat> that is decentralized organization to fight the power like that is just an example of how uncontrollable this new medium is the digital social media is like if wall street cannot contain itself for a bunch of gorillas uh, on reddit (laughs) the democrats and the republicans have no chance like together strong yes yes it is that's one of the most beautiful things I've I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Like yeah. decentralized communities are that's the future with there's nothing anyone can do about it. That's what's coming, that's what's here. And uh good luck Democrats and Republicans to I, I, uh try and contain that. They they can't. Like that it, no. it goes back it goes back to like what we were talking about earlier, like the the feds trying to silence those people. Like I, I can speak personally about that. You know, they have, they have, they have their control right now and they're trying to keep the message away from people and they're failing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree with them on silencing you, but I mean, in uh, general, but... it's not. A... <laughs> Allegedly. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm just gonna get louder, Tony. Great. <laughs> that, 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 you, you put you put some some oomph in my back. <laughs> Good. <laughs> one of these days you're gonna see him on one of those big screens in Times Square. Yeah. 
And it'll be taxation is theft. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, we're, we're in a good spot right now. We're in a good spot right now. It it seems tough, but we are moving away from a hierarchical model to a decentralized model. And as long as everyone can kind of understand that and understand how that changes things, you you'll be able to navigate it and, and kind of push the pieces in the right spots. And I think Trent, Trent's doing a good job at that. And uh, well, as best he as best he can. But I, I think I, I think you you do kind of understand this. And as long as you can do that, there's there's no grand people in charge. There's hierarchical structures always form when something stagnates. And then when a new technology comes in, it all falls apart. And and we're, we're, we're in that moment right now. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment to be in. It's rare in history. Every time it happens, uh, it gets really ugly for a short period of time. Well, for a period of time, and then something better emerges. Yeah. The Renaissance. The Renaissance emerged from that. Yeah. We're at that precipice. Yeah, we're right there. Do you want to, we never got to talk about the mandates, Tony. Do you want to go into that? Stole the words from my mouth. <laughs> Man, we're on the same wavelength there, brother. <laughs> I, I was just about like, I was like, all right, we're in a positive space. We're all, we can all be hippies and, and live in our utopian future. But all right, fine. Yeah, let's talk about the mandates. Um, Bill de Blasio is the mayor of New York City still. The next couple of months, I guess. Um, and yeah, you put in uh, mandates. You can't go into restaurants, theaters. You can't go into public space, like uh, commercial spaces without a vaccine card. Right. Which... Um, it's like the wristlet at a fucking theme park. Yeah. The fuck? <laughs> yeah. And... <clears throat> I, I, I don't know how it, that's legal. I don't know if he's... I, I, I don't know how this is going to be implemented. It's going to be implemented in a couple of weeks. Can the government refuse service on the behalf of a business? Exactly. And a mandate is not a legal... It's, that's not a legal thing. This is literally like them just like fucking with the citizens and be like, all right, if we say these words, will it will it mean something? Like, if we say that it's a mandate, if we say that, will, will, will people buy this bullshit? Well, I mean, what, Trent, what, what are the repercussions going to be? Like, what, what, what are they going to be able to mandate legally as a repercussion for it? I have no clue. Like, it's, it's so insane to me. I've, I've lost my mind. Like it's, it's so bizarre that like, I, I can't comprehend how, the, how it's going to be implemented. I don't understand how it's legal. I don't understand how these private companies are going to go along. Like I can, I can see like the Walmarts and the CVSs and you know, I could see the big corporations like enforcing something, but I can't see like my 
local bodega saying, hey, dude, you can't come in here. Or my local bar saying, hey, dude, you can't come in. I can't see that happening. Right. We, we saw it in practice they, in Pennsylvania. They, they, one, of our, one of our members works in a plaza and they hired the, these uh, security that were dressed like cops. They had like the police on their, on their uniform and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, they, were, they, they said that the, the business had now mandated masks to be in any of the stores and that if you didn't, they were going to arrest you. But they didn't have any legal presidents. They didn't have any le- legal anything more than myself or any of us. And yeah. uh, once the sheriffs got involved, the sheriff showed up and like kicked them out. <laughs> and the, 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 the cherry on the story is they were they were threatening arrest. But when they left, they left in like a, a Pontiac Grand Prix. <laughs> but, you know, shit like that was going on here in Texas, too. Like not not so much the threatening, but like the mask mandate, like stores were losing their minds over it. Like they, like it just it, it, it completely changed the, the 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 feeling in the air of what to do. Like there were times where you you know going into hospitals too, like uh, at, at uh, my daughter was in the hospital and you know you're required to wear a mask in there and you can only have two people in the room with her when she was in there so you know and it was just, it was just crazy 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 and but it, it's it's spreading and people are are going into it. Yeah, I think um, so. I think at this point, it's it, there's so much vagary and gray area that a lot of places, a lot of different institutions, whether it's private organizations or government organizations on the city, state, or federal level, it, there's so much gray area that they're kind of they're clawing around to try and see what what they can what they can get away with at this point. Um, and my Official stance on all this is um, I'm pro mask, I'm pro vaccine, and I'm anti mandate. I yeah. think that had, uh, I, I've I've had to take a lot of courses to become a, a COVID expert for uh, a, a few jobs that I've had. I've, I've done a lot of my courses, taken a lot of tests, gotten certifications, and from what I can gather from all of this is that nobody really knows. Nobody really knows what's going on with this. No. <laughs> the, the, and so there's a lot of grasping at straws at this point. And uh, I think the main thing is to keep, get the, get the vaccine if you feel like you're in danger. Obese people, elderly people, like get the vaccine. If you're younger and you're concerned, get the vaccine. If you're younger and you don't want to get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. And putting the burden on people who are not vaccinated is, um, it's disgusting. You can't, like, if you've been vaccinated and you're judging someone who's not been vaccinated, you're a disgusting pig. Right. You're, you're just a terrible human being. And if you're a government organization and you're saying that, that young people should get vaccinated if they don't want to, you're the scum of the earth. Like, it's, it's, it's disgusting. 
that's that's where my uh, my vulgar side. The vulgar <laughs> aggressive. Yeah, there that's where I get really aggressive. I'm I'm all like I I've taken the court like I understand the risks as well as as a layman person can, and it's it's still a gray area for everyone, but. If you're trying to enforce things on people who it's really not a risk factor for them, that's it's it's disgusting. It's well, it, 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 you know, I've made this comparison and, you know, you can hate me or love me, but, you know, it it, it goes goes to the like the 10 steps to, to to genocide. The first step is to partition people off and to separate people one from the other. And it's how the Nazis did with the Jews. They they made the Jew stand out. Like they, if you were a Jew, you wore a star or your store had a star. Everybody knew this person was a Jew. When 10 years before that, Jews and Germans were, were friends. They, they, like, they, they, they fought next to each other in World War I. Like, like they were one of yeah. Hitler's commanders in World War I was a Jew. And he actually gave him, uh, he, he protected him for, mo- for the most part of his of his reign until something happened like towards the end of 1944 but you make these classifications of people and you and you section them off and the the people themselves are already growing volatile about it like you were talking about people that you know tony yeah yeah i'm my friends and and family are getting concerned because i am defending vaccines but i'm also saying that what what they're mandating is not okay and people right. are they're they're doing exactly what you're saying they're they're spreading us out they're dividing us they're atomizing us and then we're going to be left to if you don't have a tight-knit group of people who you can depend on who wh- whether whatever the storm that comes if if you can divide people then then the state is in control yeah and that that's that's the divide and conquer you know uh game plan you know yeah. it, it it's it's how we we've fought our enemies and it's how commanders throughout history have fought their enemies you get you able to you're able to divide a, a, a group of people into smaller groups and attack each one separately you're able to win i yeah. and even even if they mandate nationwide that everybody has to get the vaccine, there's still going to be millions of people that refuse, regardless. Yeah. So so the big thing is that Thanksgiving table that you go to every year has to be stronger than your opinions that you discuss at Thanksgiving. The the turkey dinner that you sit down with with all your family that has to be more important than your own personal opinion. That's what it comes down to right. your your family your friends your network has to be tighter than your own personal beliefs that's the number one way to combat this whole thing and you know you agree with it, each it, other as much as you want everyone should have their own opinions but your opinions should not separate you from those tight bonds you and i can both speak to that with our family it, it's yeah, it's our it's already happened. Like it, uh, beliefs have, have, uh, alienated us from people in our family and it's, and it's happening all over the country. It's not just us. Like, yeah. 
there and are that's, people. That's ahead. that's why I always call myself a vulgar progressive because I I make sure I kind of let my beliefs known to my friends and family, and but then I also make sure that uh, I get them comfortable to the point where they're immune to my beliefs, where they right. don't care at a certain point. I, I'm vulgar enough about my opinions where they're just like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then they're immune to them and then they still love me either way and they stick with me either way. Right. So that's right. why that's why I keep saying I'm vulgar because if you keep, you, you got to condition the, those around you to your opinions to the point where they still love you. And it just... I mean, you, you and I have had debates where we adamantly disagree with each other and we're still, yeah. we're still best friends. Like it didn't change a goddamn exactly. thing. Yeah. And that's the only, like, if there's, there's, if there's a, you know, a 12 step program, step one is that step one is, is become immune to your tight networks, different beliefs. Everyone should have their own beliefs and you should not let that separate you. And, you know, that that's kind of started with Obama when he ran for office, but it really got highlighted when Trump ran. Like, that's when the real division started happening. People became volatile when some anybody be- believed differently than them. And it, and it just spread and it's got more and more like even the people that 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 are uh, Trump fans now or, you know, Republicans or rhinos, you know, they, they still are violently attacking online and in person people that are not in their belief system. Yeah. And that has, it it honestly has nothing to do with Obama or Trump. It has everything to do with the tech, the medium, the medium is the message. And we are living in a new medium, the medium we're on right now. We're three idiots who have no right to have an audience, but we have one. And that is a very new, very, very new thing. But the fact that we as idiots, as laymans can have our own audience, that is, that is the changing factor. It's not Trump, it's not Obama. It's just, we have a new medium that has come out and it's confusing everyone. We you don't know, know who to trust yet. You know, we may be three idiots who have an audience, but don't deserve one. But I think the three of us also strive to be unusable idiots. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I think um, we don't like, but the fact that we are, we are able to speak, uh, the responsibility we have is to be as authentic as possible because what the other mediums provide is unauthentic and there's an agenda and there's a system. So the only, the only sword we can wield in this medium is authenticity and, and uh, the, the truth that we, we know. And that's, and, that's, that's what we have to, that, that's what we have to embrace. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise this medium means nothing. And it's not only that, but speaking to my fellow Americans, we are lucky to be, Oh God! I got some gas. Give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you are you drinking like acidic beers or something? What are you it's, oh well, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about my beer after I say this. We are lucky to live here in America because we are not persecuted for speaking. 
the way that we speak. While we are accosted, we are not killed for it. Uh, right. So, so my wife is from Thailand. They're killing people for protesting. I, I have I have a couple of very good friends who live in Thailand. Uh, okay. Like it's yeah, uh, I understand a bit about what how how they're structured. It's 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 not as rosy as it seems for a traveler. But go on, sorry. No, it's yeah, it's you hit it on the money there, man. Uh, looks can be deceiving, but things are not always as they appear. It's always good to question authority. It's when authority comes back and tries to kill you for questioning them that you need to say, hey, fuck, you know, maybe maybe it's time to do something about this. You know, and it, it could be, you know, what what the reaction to to, to to their to their action could be whatever it needs to be appropriately. It doesn't have to be violent. You know, I'd like to make that point before I move on here. But at yeah. the same time, it needs to be assertive enough to, to make a point, to stick out like a sore fucking thumb and say, hey, we are here, we exist, and we have opinions that may change the way that you do things. For instance, what if everybody on Facebook turned around tomorrow and uh, contradicted what uh, the Facebook staff believed in? What would happen? They would have to change their directive because they would suddenly realize, oh, shit, you know, we're making money off of these people inhabiting our space that we're giving them for free. We need desperately to change our course of action because they have no incentive to give us money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we're, we're in a very unique window in history where, I mean, the last last time this happened was with the printing press and it caused revolutions. Yeah, we talked about world. this. <laughs> this is a very rare moment in history and we don't know how long it's going to last. So we need to speak truth to power as much as we can, even if we're idiots and we don't know all the facts, as long as you're sincere and truthful in your own way, uh, whatever you're saying is going to be valid. And, 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 even morons should be doing this at this point. Like we need to speak truth to power in our own way because this is a very, very rare moment in human history. It's it's unbelievably unique, and we're seeing that window already starting to close. Like, you know, they ban people from Twitter, from Facebook. They banned certain sorts of information on Twitter and Facebook. Like this, they're trying to close this window as soon as possible. So it's, it's up to us to continue to s tell our own version of the truth with sincerity. And, you know, we could be wrong, but God damn it, we have this opportunity to do it. So we have to do it. Absolutely. So moving on to beers now. <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking uh, Great Lakes Lemon Hefeweizen. Okay. It's an ale with lemon. And I like it a lot more than a lot of the lemon beers because it's not too overpowering. It's not too sour. It's not too bitter. It's, in my opinion, just right. <laughs> what are you all drinking? Monster. Coors. Coors. The banquets. 
Oh, the banquets. I love, I like banquet. You know, I, I like banquet. I like I'm to drinking, get the little bottles though. I'm drinking a mango monster. Mango. That's pretty good. It's my favorite. I like their, uh, their lemonades and their teas. Really? Monster? They have, what is it called? It's, um, fuck. I drink it almost every day at work. Makes me feel dumb, but I can't remember that. <laughs> Trent, you're like a walking version of a monster ad. Why? <laughs> oh no! Just, just the way you, just the way you look. You just look like a monster. I'm gonna go punch holes in some. In some... Yeah, just all the tattoos. Like you probably drive a big truck, and you live in Texas. You just look like. You look like a monster moron. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I'm bigger than you now, so I'm not going to take that shit next time we, we, we hang out. Last, last time we hang out, hung out, you already you beat my, the shit out of me, so I'm already scared. I did what? <laughs> oh, in, in L.A.? In L.A., yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't even remember that. I, that, was, that was, that's an embarrassing time for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fine. We hung out with all the Teen Mom 2 girls. I remember oh, part of it, but man, I was trashed. I was yeah, like, yeah. like, 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 like falling over trashed. We, oh, we took care of you. You were fine. Ugh. I don't, I don't, that's a bad part of my life. Oh, we had fun. We've all had bad parts in life. Uh, fortunately, I don't think any of you have pissed your pants on stage, but if you have, out there, any of any of the listeners out there, if you've done something so embarrassing like that, then I can definitely sympathize with you because I have pissed my pants on stage in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> Are you serious? I, 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 That's my humble moment of the day, right there. I have pissed my pants on stage in front of hundred in front of hundreds of people <laughs> when I was in a lead position in an orchestra, <laughs> and I, I got I, up I, and I, I left. I had my I, dignity was I was had ran out that day. I left. <laughs> How old were you? Oh, I it was devastating. I, I must have been I was I was I think I was eleven. Okay. I, I was pretty young. I was pretty young. So it was fairly devastating. <laughs> but yeah, not young enough to get away with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not young. <laughs> You're like at that middle point where you can't really <laughs> I, I had, I, I had a teacher on a live show. I, okay, so, so any of the listeners out there who, who play an instrument, I, I, I play the cello currently. I grew up playing the violin. And I was in a youth, a youth group who happened to tour around the country and eventually all over the world. Now, I, was, I couldn't afford the rest of the world, but that's besides the point. Uh, I pissed my pants on stage. <laughs> so I, uh, I was on stage playing at our regular venue, and uh, I, I had to go. I, before, before it began, now I will mention that I have ADHD, okay? Sure. I'm yeah. hyperactive as fuck. Yeah, and I did too. <laughs> I, I, totally, I totally am unaware sometimes. Yeah, uh, I will admit that it's a fault of mine. But when you when you want when you go onto stage, you're focused, and I feel that same focus. You know, I I feel it. I am focused. I'm focused on the moment. I'm focused on the here. I've put all my energy from that day into that very hour or two. You know, so 
But that particular focus, because I have ADHD, he forgot to tell me, hey, Robert, you dumbass, go take a piss. <laughs> and I'm sitting up there and, you know, I feel it coming and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. no you can't, it's, there's, you can't there's just, just get up and leave with your instrument. You're, you're, you're stuck. Right, exactly. The show must go on. So I'm, I'm thinking that and I'm like, fuck, well, I'm just going to have to wait. You know, you know, you know I'm, I'm basically yelling at myself. I'm projecting myself into a version of Arlie Emery in my brain and saying, you know, God damn it, sit down and play your goddamn violin. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. And it, it ultimately led to my demise because I pissed my pants on stage. Now, granted, <laughs> it was it was mainly our families and their friends and people that go to the college or teachers, faculty, whatever. And uh in the audience so it wasn't absolutely life crushing but that shit felt like it lasted an eternity from the very first second that the first trap came out of the tip of my dick yeah, <laughs> yeah once it happens it it, it it just goes what, what color pants were you wearing oh god i was wearing a tuxedo dude i was i was wearing cummerbund and all and <laughs> i just soaked that shit and it was so, it, so for people in the audience, you know, people out there who normally see these types of things from, from, from the crowd, you see the lights come on the stage and what do you see? You see everything. But from where I was sitting, I saw a pit of blackness. Yep. But it was just the thought in my head that I knew that that, state, that, that, um, that theater was filled with people. <laughs> Yeah, this Did is definitely play a humble moment. Oh, I, I yeah, I, I played good. I'm confident yeah, that I played cares? good. Uh, that's the thing. I cared. I, I got the hell out of there. <laughs> but you still play. You still performed. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. It was. It was good. It was. It was a good performance. I that's, actually. Uh, that's actually amazing. You performed well, and you peed your pants. Well, it's like walking and chewing gum. That's pretty good. Well, I, I, I will. I, I, I will uh, admit that I got up and left, you know, once again, but uh, it was, it was definitely an experience for me. Um, yeah. You should probably you, do the cello or the upright bass. <laughs> <laughs> piss your pants. <laughs> so nobody could see. I didn't yeah, yeah. I don't no, know. It doesn't matter. The thing was, I was always on one of the outside chairs, so it didn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> I was what they saw and heard first. Fuck. You know, but um at the end of the day, I, I got up and my instructor was looking at me like, you can't fucking get out of here. And I, I, I got out of there. So, so what that taught me was, and, and to my listeners, I hope you can sympathize with this. I hope you can, you can see eye to eye with me on this. You know, if, if something happens that's extremely, well, either extremely terrifying, saddening, maddening, um, Confloundering, poppycocking, whatever you say, it, you got to take a step back and say, "Holy fuck!" I, you know, the show must go on. You, you cannot get up and walk away. That day, I made a mistake. If I would have sat up there and played through the entire show, I'm confident I would have been a legend. But I wasn't good enough to do it. So, to my listeners out there, to our listeners out there, you need to be good enough to do it. You need to take the step up and take that chance and say, fuck it. You know, I'm already here. Let's fucking go 100%. Just fucking yeah. do it. 
Get more Amen, people brother. out there speaking. The more people we got, the better. People need to, uh, to open up their voice and not be scared to speak out. Hell yeah, all right, man. so in solidarity, let's all sit here and pee your pants before we go. <laughs> I'll do it with you guys. <laughs> I, I, had, I had a seizure on a live show. That was, That's that was, great. That was fun. <laughs> you scared the shit out of me that day, dude, because I, I have a friend of mine who has seizures, so I'm not, it's not like I'm not used to that wall. I'm not uh, unfamiliar with that happening, but it fucking scared the shit out of me, dude. I was like, yeah. holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was embarrassing. <laughs> you were saying it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because I had like I had like oh, people following f- me and like and, and like I had no idea why until like I came to and like realized what was going on. How is that embarrassing though? That's a, just a it's a physical like, because it happened, fuck? it happened on a, on a live show. It's I, I try not, I try not to let you let that happen. I don't, That's, I try not to let people see that side of me. Well, try not to let it be embarrassing. That's thinking it's embarrassing is more embarrassing than it actually happened. Because yeah, I, I, I'm over it now. But at the time, I was like, oh my god. Sure. Yeah, I, I could see why you feel like it was embarrassing. But well, you, you have no control over that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, what I you do like, have control I, I, over is your stupid back flag. That's the Welsh flag. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> check out here. Check out my flag. I just got today. Hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move my camera around. Uh, better be an American flag. Semi-American. Don't kneel on us. Yeah. Is that anti? football or is that what is it it's like uh, it, oh it's for, like, for, is it george floyd or is it colin kaepernick that's my question i think it, it's it's it's, it's re- related to like the blm movement okay yeah good i love it like you have the, the black panther and then the snake together yeah yeah that's perfect beautiful so uh, the reason why i like it is because you know there's a lot of people that have see that don't tread on me flag and they try to relate it to racism and like yeah. racist groups but with those two together like you know it it embodies what you know yeah i, I had um I had a conversation with a couple of my friends about just kind of like what what you're like working towards and and because they they heard about kind of you know, the, these people showing up at, at protests, doing certain things. I'm like, well, no, that's not actually what it is. Like, they are pro BLM. They are yeah. pro whatever the protest is. They're there to protect. They're just yeah, there that, to be that's, there. That's, let people's know, voices heard. That changed a lot for protests because, you know, back for a while, people were going out protesting, getting the shit beat out of them. And then once people showed up with guns, like the cops really fucking changed their tune. Um I was at a protest in Austin last year for a guy named Garrett, uh, Garrett Foster, who was killed by a, uh, an army uh, active duty guy in his car at a, at a protest. And we had like 60 guys with a firearms. Like, you know, I, I, I didn't have one, but um, everybody else did. And uh, we surrounded the, um, the protesters and, and made sure that the, at the time the cops showed up with like 100 U.S. Marshals. They had like 600 like riot gear cops. They had horse cops. Like it was, it was possible to, to spark off. Like in the, the cops actually, like nine of them actually pulled their guns on some of the people that were there. 
And they realized at the time that they if doing that, they were surrounded. It probably wasn't a very smart idea. Yeah. I mean, for, for like, it, it's a very beautiful show of solidarity. It's non-violent. But, like, but, but what you're saying, like, were you saying it could spark off? That's, that's the danger. It's, it's, it, it becomes like it, it, it raises the stakes when you do something like that, but at the same time, like it lowers it too. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's so a, it, you know, it, it, it's a good way to express your first and second amendment rights. And, and people like the media try to portray it as like a violent thing that all of us were doing. And it, it's, it's not like, no, nobody's trying to look intimidating. Nobody's trying to, they're just showing up to show that, you know, we have armed citizens too. Like you can't just bully us. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how it goes down, but it, in my mind, just like thinking Clayton's about it, like I, I, yeah. I think the, the best way to approach something like that is have whoever is in charge of those people who are showing up go almost like ancient, like Greek and Persian wars, like have whoever's in charge of that go and talk to the police and say, Hey guys, here's what, here's why we're here. Like having a conversation beforehand. So, cause I, I do worry about things sparking off. Right. Like it almost needs to be something where there's like a, uh, 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 outreach, a handshake beforehand and be like, Hey guys, we're here. Here's why we're here. Here's what we're doing. We're not against you. This is, this is why we're here. Like I feel like there should be something like that. I don't know. Maybe there is, I don't know. But no, no, I agree that that's something that I, I've seen some groups do. And I, I think it's something that needs to be more prevalent. But it should you know, be like us. Uh, yeah, that should be mandate. Like when you guys go out, you find the police chief or you find the head of the police and you have that conversation right off the bat. And be like, here's why we're here. This is what we're doing. I, I know when we were in Austin, I was talking to the cops the whole time. I was like, you know, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're not here to start shit. You know, and they were like, oh, yeah, cool. Just, you know, don't cross the riot line or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But um, we, we actually, when we were in uh, in Columbus, we 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 showed up there, a large group of us, and you know, we were armed, kitted, and the mounted police came up to us. They approached us. <laughs> it was we caught it on video. I think uh, Fort Fisher got some footage of it. Uh, Fort Fisher got some footage of it. They came up to us with their horses, and we had a moment where we were bullshitting with each other as yeah. normal fucking people we were petting their horses and they were joking with us and it's funny it's funny because they're uh one of their superiors called them on their cell phone and they answered the phone and i guess he was like hey what the hell are you doing and <laughs> and the guy looked at us he's like oh he said don't talk to the insurgents <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but yeah i mean honestly like if, if I was a part of any one of these organizations, like I would, I would be like, all right, we're going to this protest tomorrow. Like, let me reach out to the police chief of that. Like whoever it could be the, you know, and just we, have a powwow beforehand or during it and be like, Hey guys, like just diffuse the situation immediately. And in we, order we, to make positive progress on any of these situations or issues or whatever you call it, Per, for your personal use and we need to make amends with the people that we are trying to convince 
are wrong for doing what they're doing. Yes. If you do not acknowledge them as human beings, then they will forever be this construct of discombobulation yeah. in everybody's yes. minds. Yeah. And in their minds, they will feel like that. And you need to treat them like they have feelings and say, hey, you know, like, you know, we're here doing this, exercising our rights. You know, we don't want to hurt you. We don't want to hurt anybody. Right. We just want to explain why we feel like we feel. And most of the time for us here in Ohio, that has worked out greatly. There are several occasions that I can remember where we've gone to the state capitol and done our thing. And we've, we've actually had state cops take our pictures. We've had sheriffs talk with us and we've gotten down to the nitty gritty with them on a conversational level. And then we say either, you know, Oh, we agree or, or we agree to disagree and we walk away and that's it. You know, we don't fight. We talk about it. And, you know, here, here's my, I have several points to that is, you know, this, this whole all cops are bastards bullshit. You know, that's, that, that is a terrible way to classify people. Like you, you can't just group every single cop into the bad cop category. There are a lot of shitty cops out there and there are a lot of cops that are, are doing dumb shit, but there's also a lot of cops that aren't and they're, exactly. being, they're, they're being labeled as such. You know, I, I can speak to that personally. I grew up with cops my whole life. My dad's a cop, Tony's brother and my grandpa, Tony's dad were cop. I grew up around cops, you know, and I seen what good cops are like. And I know that, you know, they, they're human beings. One thing that has, doesn't ever get mentioned is the whole PTSD aspect of it. Um, you have cops, that take, you talk about soldiers and servicemen that, come, that are deployed and they come back with, you know, trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, that, that's a small portion of their enlistment. But you take cops that have been a cop for 20 years and all the shit that they say, they've seen, you have to give them a break to a point. You know, there are mental there is there there is trauma that is involved in being a cop. And if you're in a really bad spot, it's every day. So you have every day for 20 years where you're 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 seeing the worst of the worst, like people being shot, people being raped. So there is trauma that's involved. And there's not I don't believe that there's enough mental health. When it comes to police officers, I believe that that's something that we should lobby for, too, is, is to get cops the right treatment to help g- get through the bullshit that they've seen. Like you can't just label it. It's, it's like saying every white person's a racist. You can't just label people like that. You have to see right. all the whole spectrum of stuff. Right. And, um, you know, I'll, 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 right. for my controversial uh, statement of the day, uh, if you are a police officer and you are whistleblowing, and you feel that you are being marginalized or persecuted by your coworkers, reach out to us. We will, I will, you. We, will, we will do the best that we can to protect you. We will advocate for your success and the task that you are facing and the challenge that you are taking on to your personal responsibility. We understand that the passion that you have for protecting and serving your community is a valid thing we we know that's real we know that you went into that job thinking that you will make a difference and we are here to give you that platform to make that difference we thoroughly approve of you doing the right thing to better your community and that is taking accountability for both your and your co-workers actions okay police unions let's do the right thing don't cover anything up. 
exercise integrity. And you want to talk about this at a personal level? How many of you out there walked in on your interview day to see a piece of paper on the floor? I know this resonates with you. Either you picked that piece of paper up or you didn't. Whether or not you did is a reflection of your integrity. Now, I hope that most of you would have or will pick that piece of paper up and hand it to the officer sitting at the desk in front of you. That is absolutely crucial, okay? And not just doing it for the sake of doing it. You need to do it because you feel that there is something wrong at that current moment and there is everything in the universe telling you to pick that fucking piece of paper up. You know, pick that piece of paper up every single day that you're on the job. And if you see somebody, take that piece of paper, crumple it up and throw it somewhere else or totally ignore it. Say something, do something like the old adage goes, see something, say something. But this time we want you to do something. All right. Reach out to us. Yeah. And, you know, that that's that's like I was saying, you know, we. We don't believe that all cops are terrible. We don't believe that all, all cops are murderers. Like that, that's a terrible, terrible stigma to put on somebody. Absolutely. And we, we, we know that, you know, the vast majority of people that are serving and protecting are doing their job uh, honestly and with integrity. But, you know, you have, you have to police your own. You have to get those bad apples and make sure that they're not allowed to have have that authority because those bad apples are putting a, a, a name and a stigma and a classification for you that are that it is infuriating millions of people big time we we need people that are police officers to come forward and if you come to our organization we'll, we'll advocate for you and we'll protect you we have the means through another nonprofit that can help you with your unions as well I know there are people out there that are going to look at us and say, hey, whoa, what the fuck? You know, the fucking police, this and that, all cops are bastards. Well, you know, at the end of the day, you're a small, you're a small percentage, okay? Um, to give you it's a perspective. to think that way. Like, to give, it, it, right. it's, so, it's so easy to, 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 to point fingers at people, but in, in reality, it, it's just as bad as, as, people calling people racist that are classified as racist because of their skin color and, or people, you know, it, it, it's yeah. the same thing. You know, you can't, you can't just throw that name around or that ball around and, and expect cops to want to come willingly to help because that's the problem right. is, is that you're They're putting humans them too. in a position where they don't want to be a part of the community and help you out. Like I, I've, I've spoken to numerous cops at protests that were for what we were doing and they were, they were doing the right thing and making sure that nothing bad happened. Yeah. Right. It's, it, it, they're humans and it's a tough, it's one of the hardest jobs in the world and they have an oath. They have, they're, they're sworn to do certain things and it's, it's a system, it's a system problem. And yeah, exactly. And we're in a transitional period. We need to address that, the way things have been done in the past need to change. But right. these individuals have sworn an oath to uphold certain standards and they're humans. And just to give you all an idea out there who are listening to this, just how small is the percentage of people who, who will absolutely 
try to put us in fire for saying what we're saying right now. The size of a pinhead is less than two millimeters, as small as, as a millimeter, possibly as large as 1.9 millimeters. Just, just imagine if that pinhead is laying on it, if that pin is laying on its side and you step on it, you ain't going to feel shit. You ain't going to feel shit. It's only when that pin is standing straight up. Don't let these fuckers stand straight up. Okay. We, <laughs> we know that society is better than that. Do not fall into the herd of sheep. Okay. Let's, you know, we're not asking you to be sheepdogs or whatever that fucking stupid shit is. You know, <laughs> I just, was just thinking about yeah, the fuck, fuck, sheepdog. Fuck that. <laughs> that, that. That's not part of my point. Fuck all that. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking like, about oh. the memes now. I'm thinking about the memes now where they say, I'm a sheepdog and they show a fucking wolf with a fucking... God, damn, the face God damn it, that pisses me off because I just learned about that term today and I was like, yeah, I am a sheepdog. Yeah, that's I am a, a sheepdog. I was about a, to use that term. It I makes sense. Using that term. That's, a, that's a Chris Kyle uh, mantra. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a little... I don't like using this word, but it you is. You pop my cringe. balloon. <laughs> I, was, I thought I was like hip. I was like, all right, I see. So there's wolves, there's sheep, and I'm a sheep dog. And I literally no. learned that today. And now you're like, all right, no, let's not use that term. Oh, all right. No, it's that's impossible. No, no. <laughs> a majority of people are comfortable with their current state. Thank you. Nothing for, you can do thank, about it. Thank you for stopping me from embarrassing myself and going out into the world. <laughs> And hey. trying to say that I'm a sheepdog because I heard that term today. We've all embarrassed ourselves at some point or another. I, I, don't, I don't need to beat a dead horse and tell my story again. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to walk around with piss up. I was about to be the emperor with no clothes. <laughs> Piss, pissing on stage, trying yeah, to play the fucking violin. I was like, yeah, hey, guys, I'm a sheepdog. Have you heard it? You probably don't know what this is, but I'm a sheepdog. You guys are sheep and you guys are wolves. I'm the sheepdog. I'm a sheepdog followed by unintelligible screaming and screeching. <laughs> well, I'm glad I, I learned about this phrase today and you stopped me from embarrassing myself with it all in one day. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and for all of you out there who call yourself a sheepdog, just know I love you just the same. <laughs> Well, that, that, that's serious. I love them all the same. <laughs> no, yeah. For real, for real. <laughs> I, I, I love the I love the idea of a sheepdog. I love it. But again, as soon as you put a label on yourself, then then you're doomed. You're yes. doomed. I, I abhor labels personally. The world should label you. You shouldn't label yourself ever. Whatever it is, that's. I mean, if you get into all the all these new ways of addressing people gender neutral pro pronoun it's like dude that's not up to you the world labels you you do not label yourself when i was a young child in the prime of my adhd years the good old instructable <laughs> days i uh my father told me something that stuck with me for the rest of my life he said uh, he said son my son you have adhd now that may affect you in certain ways but just know that just because you have what you have, the rest of the world doesn't have to bend over and, and accept it, right? It's, it's not their responsibility. And, yes. and at first I was, I was extremely pissed off, you know, I was, as, as a rebunctious child, I was like, well, what the fuck, you know, like, 
I have a learning disability. I'm this, I'm that, you know, like, but then slowly I realized, fuck, you know, they, they took me to these doctors who gave me the tools to manage this. And they said, you know, Robert, if, 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 if you don't manage this, you may have to take medication. But if every day you wake up and you, you do your essential organizational tasks, that will be your medicine. That will be your mantra every day. You take accountability for your own actions. You know, it's, yeah. I have, I've known growing up in school and this, this don't take this as an insult. People, people of earth, it, you need to take accountability for your own shit because if you don't, then you're the only one that's going to be there to answer for it. You know, yeah, it's nobody else cares. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's like what we said in the Marine Corps all the time was, you know, police your own. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, take care. You know, we didn't, that, that's how incidents didn't happen. And that's how, like, you know, if you, if you did something fucked up, you got, it got, it got handled in house and nobody ever knew about it, you know? So it, yeah. police your own. Yeah. Right. But for, first of all, what's it like to have a, a father figure? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's a little confusing. For me, it's confusing because I'm adopted. And I found out on my own that I was adopted. All right. Yeah. By looking so, uh, through my parents' yeah. paperwork. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I'm not embarrassed by it. It's. It's. It's definitely. It definitely was an experience. But uh, when did to, you find that out? I found that out at a young age. I, I would like to say that I was in in in, in uh, over where I grew up. We called it junior high, which is uh, junior high. Okay, six, seven, so that's grade. not that young. That's not that Damn. young. Yes. So I, yeah, well, I, I was looking through one of my mom's job applications and, and she was applying to a place that she had worked at before. And she stated that her reason for leaving was that she adopted a child and she needed to spend more time with, with, with You're the like, child. You're like, who did she adopt? <laughs> that, well, I was like, holy, I had this realization. I knew right away. I was like, fuck. Uh, and even in my childhood, I, I had done things behavior wise that was in the indicative of, of me suspecting something i had okay. always when i was a very small child i did this thing where i was like oh well i'm from the i called it the planet coyote <laughs> I'm from oh the planet, really I'm, that's I, so interesting i, I would say really that i'm from the planet coyote and you know i I speak this language and, you know, my people are different than you. <laughs> that's and wild. I, that's I had wild. no idea. I had that's, no idea of the true facts of the situation. I, I think yeah, it's that's wild That's so too. interesting to me. Like, you really, like, you knew, or, 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 are your parents crackers? Are they? No. <laughs> okay. No, they're, they're both, they're both Mexican, both Mexican-American I am. They're, um, and you're Mexican-American? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm Mexican-American. And uh, well, they're 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 from Mexico, from Jalisco, and from um, Ciudad so, de Mexico. So, were were your your birth parents were they like actual actual like immigrants or were they? Yeah. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. They they had had too many children, and they made the conscious decision to uh, put a child and, up for adoption, which I commend you know, that, them for. That, that's that to me. That's a million times better than neglecting your children and 
being a piece of shit that just doesn't doesn't you know that takes yeah. you know that, that's hard that's that, that would be a I, I, I couldn't do that so that's, that's, a, that's a very hard decision to make for the, the good of the, of the child and like, and, and that's as american as you can get as a story yeah, because absolutely not every single person who came to america left right. something to start something new that is the quintessential american story that is you cannot get more american than than that situation and you know i I turned right around and i said you know you know mom it's okay you know you know you don't have to freak out about it because i still love you you know you're my mom and you know as my dad you're my dad it's (laughs) that was important to me to let them know that the fact that i found out by myself doesn't mean oh, so that you I'm found out on your own. Them. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, definitely oh, found yeah, out on my own. You were looking for... Right, but, right. But be, even before that, you you still had this like semi. I knew, yeah, I knew something was wrong. I knew I was well, not wow. wrong, but I knew something was off. I knew, I knew, I knew I didn't quite fit in there, and that was that was that's just my primal instincts kicking. Yeah, in, yeah, that's you know? that's 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 like a. a under the surface like instinct that's i think about that all the time it's it's like how the fuck did i know yeah yeah (laughs) it's a mind fuck in and of itself that's but that's that's and then you created this whole story around it right right to cope with it (laughs) to cope with it but i mean what other like if you're going to create a that that's every story that's ever been invented is a coping mechanism of some sort yeah like animal farm 1984 Hmm. like these are coping mechanisms or you know beautiful stories like you know titanic where you know women get to live out their fantasies where they have a romance and then the person dies right away right (laughs) (laughs) but i guess that's sorry go ahead no, no, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I guess, I guess that's why I have a strong, um, I have, I have a strong initiative that I hold personally. To the first thing I did with uh, with Care for Ohio was decide to help Mina's foster closet because, yeah, you know they they have they help those who are foster parents, kinship guardians, but ultimately that system that they've created helps the children and that's what's most important because the fledglings are going to be our future they we need to focus on yes the new people we need to yes. give them everything that we can and um yes i hate to say it but uh we're not the greatest country in the world if we have such terrible statistics on child poverty nationally no, like yeah. i talked about earlier you know yeah. it's, it's i think it's fucked uh, up. but I, I i think it's like because you do have similar to me you have these very strong uh, uh beliefs that are both libertarian and social social like you have these strong left and right pillars that you speak towards 
And that, that's actually what libertarianism is all about. We yeah. are socially liberal and financially conservative. Yeah. We yeah. embrace all aspects of American culture and we truly believe and advocate for the American people to be able to carry out these, they to be able to live the life that they need to live personally. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not about us trying to get into office to make you do this or that. Yeah. It's about us trying to get into office to be able to say, hey, you know, oh, we get it. You know, you need these things. Why don't you go and do this over there in your personal space like you've already been doing? Let's be honest about it for yeah. since the inception of the United States. Yeah. Um, and leave your neighbors alone because they're not affecting you. You yeah. know, your, your neighbors paying their mortgage and paying their taxes has no effect on your beliefs whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Their beliefs, if if you disagree with them, just say that and walk away. You know, if, if they choose not to walk away, then that's on them. You know, be the change you want to see. And exactly. the change you want to see is people leaving you alone to believe in what you want to believe in, or yeah. it's you getting out into your community and making a difference. Yeah. And those things are quintessential to establishing a proper society. You have to be able to coexist with your neighbors. And by and large, I feel that's what most people are already doing, but there are a small percentage with a fucking megaphone going back to my pinhead analogy, stepping out of pinhead that are somehow raised up and funded to do, to, to, to say what they need to say on a large scale. Yeah. I mean, I, I work in media. I kind of, I understand how they can divide things, but, but the way, the way both of you guys look at society and politics, it's, it's a sophisticated way of looking at things in, in general. And like you said, I, it's, I think most people do can have that sophisticated outlook, but in the mass media era of television, it really, it, I don't want to say, I mean, the technical term is it retarded it, but like, I, I mean, I don't like using that term. <laughs> it, 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 it stopped that sort of, mental progression on a, a collective level level for for 60 years television really it it stamped down on this this flourishing like cultural societal belief and everyone kind of got stuck in two camps and that's it's solely due to television and television being a one-way medium where one thing said something and you could not react to it and then it's just, it started out, everyone believed the same thing. And then as cable came out, then now they could target certain specific groups. And then it wasn't just like a collective medium. It was a conservative medium and a liberal medium. And it just, it, it just divided more and more. And to have someone like articulate now that like, oh no, I see things on the left and the right. There's like to have that sophisticated understanding of the world it's it's refreshing and it's it, it, it should make people hopeful because that is something something positive that social media provides 
And this is kind of where my, I don't know, I guess, I guess, I guess some people would get a conspiracy theorist vibe from this, but this is, this is where that comes out in me. I, I call it programming for a reason and they call it programming for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, you're being programmed to think a certain way. Yeah. Well, I can pop that balloon, that conspiracy balloon very quickly. Um, it's, it's just capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's, a very expensive medium. It takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of resources and it takes a lot of hierarchical work to, you need a hierarchical structure to make television work. Yeah. And you need a massive infrastructure program to disperse the information. It's not that it's, it's not that it's bad guys doing it. It's that it, it requires a military hierarchy to make it even work to begin with. Right. Because at the end of the day, it is a business. And if people don't like the business, then the business doesn't make yeah. money. And, and they have to appeal to a broad audience. So they simplify everything. It's, it's a, it, it has to appeal to the biggest audience they possibly can appeal to so that they can make the most money they can. And that's, because they have to build the infrastructure. Like none of this is like nefarious bad guys doing anything. It's, it's just in order to make that system work because it's so expensive and so limiting, you just, it, it, it just becomes a very hierarchical structure. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's just, that's how the business works. And now with podcasting and YouTube and all these other mediums, Television built that, that infrastructure. You you plug your uh, your modem into a cable at your house that these older structures built for you, and now it's cheap and easy. But those those hierarchical structures built that infrastructure for you, so now it can be free. And now we're dismantling right. it. But it's it's never been nefarious. It's never been evil. It's just the nature of that business. And like, like we talk about all the time, the medium is the message. And now we are, as a society, we're forming this new medium of streaming and online and uh, at your fingertips, news and takes from everybody. And, you know, we're, we're being inundated from all different directions. And it's, it's, it's a, a new way to, get your message out now, like, you know, YouTube and TikTok and all those different platforms are overtaking the, the, the mainstream media views, yep. like, like they're taking over it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I've worked in television for over, well over a decade now. And it's uh, the, the new metric that came out was, it used to be like how many years, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's a lot of very specific statistics. And then it kind of, it, it, because of this new medium, it got so broad where it was like the metric now is so broad. They call it just eyeball hours. Really? How many eyeball hours you have? How many hours is eyeballs on your device platform? or phone? Yeah. And they're like, uh, I sat in with the vice president of my old company, and she was like, I was like, what, what's the issue? Like, who? Because 
television is dying right now. And I was like, right. so what's the problem? And she was like, eyeball hours. And then she explained what that was. And I was like, so who, who are we competing with? She's like, video games, YouTube. Uh, it, like, she was just like, it's not even, we're not competing with something that's similar to us. We're competing with things that are completely different than what we do. It's, it's angry, back then it was, it's Angry Birds, it's, you know, Call of Duty, it's Twitch, it's Reddit, like, it's eyeball hours. You can't even define what, what the parameters are at this moment. So all you can define it as is, like, how many, how many minutes and hours people are looking at your content. Right. Where before it was, yeah. like, CBS or NBC or CNN. Like those are the those were the dangers. Now it's just flatlined eyeball hours. And that that's a that's a that's a that's a pretty extreme take. That you know it, it, it's true though. Like, it, but it, it's it's wild that that's where we're at in society is the amount because you know they have they have um, metrics on your phone that can that can tell you how much you you know how much you were looking at your screen today and yada yada yada. And yeah. it's it's overwhelming. Like you look at it, you're like, holy shit, I spent eight hours on my phone today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all that, I mean, they're hard. we are the product. We're not the uh, consumer anymore. It's wild. Yeah. I, 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 I like that we're able to have this medium though, where we can, we can speak differently on different uh, platforms. Like, like what we're doing tonight. Yeah. This is, I, this is, unprecedented in human history it's yeah, unbelievable and it, it's great and we're gonna we're gonna have you know a couple hundred or thousand viewers hear everything we have to say and it's yeah. I, I don't know it's, it's it's crazy to look at it that way yeah ima uh, just imagine if we showed up like yeah say we get 100 viewers could you imagine going up on stage and talking to 100 people right right that would be crazy and yet that's statistically probably what this is what's gonna happen with, with this this podcast. We might get a hundred viewers, and that right. is crazy. That's insane. That's a lot of people. Too many people. It's it's a yeah, it's a brave new world. Um, it's it's bad and it's good. But uh I'm happy to uh uh, I'm happy to exploit it as much as I can. It's the only way we're going to be able to keep our message out there. Yeah. Do we do we cover everything that we needed to talk about regarding Cuomo? I, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Who cares about like De Blasio is the bad guy, not Cuomo. I don't. I could give a shit about Cuomo. De Bla yeah, De Blasio is making all these these this, this mass mandate bullshit. The, and Como is just a smoke string to keep away from it. It's, it's yeah. not even. A, it's not even a mask mandate. It's a vaccine mandate. <laughs> That's what I meant. Yeah. Show me your papers. Yeah. Show me your papers. Das being mein Kibion. I don't know how to say it in German. But... They're quickly becoming the new Chicago as far as corruption goes. Yeah, but at least Chicago corruption is like romantic. This is. <laughs> <disgusting>. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's no romance in this. It's disgusting and gross. The only romance that I saw was in Boys Town in Chicago. Okay, the rest of it is just scummy fucking bullshit. All right, though. <laughs> Those people up in Boys Town were finding their true fucking soulmates. Okay, and the rest of the city was just a bunch of fucking whores running around doing some bullshit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm so pissed off about this. Like, it's uh, I, I can't even describe. It. Like, I am pro mask. I'm pro vaccine. A mandate is. It's this is the first. This is the first step into what the Bush era, uh, Rumsfeld and Cheney were always planning all along. Like since 2002, I've been waiting for this moment to take right. place. The and Patriot I, Act. The, 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 yeah, the, it's it's the Patriot Act. They they, I, they set it up, and I, I've been saying it since I was a freaking little. 15 year old kid i was like they're going to they're they're putting all the they're putting all the pins in place and then they're gonna knock it down one day and god damn it they knocked them down now this week in new york city my home city it's your home city is not new york city well it's my home now brooklyn park you're not you live in brooklyn but you grew up in brooklyn park Look at your belly. You're getting chubby, buddy. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> All right, Where are you going? Where are you going? He's down there he's doing going, crunches he's going now. Do sit-ups. <laughs> <laughs> um, My yeah, dog's no, like trying to go outside. Well. Uh, right, it's there it is. <laughs> No, it's not as bad as it looked. I think it was a the, the lighting angle, but you're still getting I, a little I, bit. Better. I, I'm, 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 I need. I'm, I'm trying to get to the like this. This whole dad bod thing is a real, real existence. Like, I, it fucking happened, man. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think what was what was what's the saying in college? Your freshman fucking twenty. I think. I, I think freshman I took on fifteen. Freshman that, fifteen. I think I took on like a like a freshman forty five or something. I don't know. I no I uh, I can send you photos of me. I literally gained forty five pounds my first oh, year of college. I was a balloon. Yeah, no, I I gained forty five pounds, and like it, it was always very. I was always able to make friends very easily in high school or in yeah high school, middle school, and then I gained all this weight and moved somewhere new, and nobody wanted to become my friend, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> what is the I was like all right I gotta lose weight and I just started running in the savannah sun as much as possible because I, I had no friends and then when I lost the weight suddenly I started making friends again <laughs> <laughs> it was different yeah <laughs> for all those out there listening it was because he became more confident <laughs> yeah yeah, Do that's not it. It, it wouldn't be the weight loss; it's the confidence. Yeah, you've always been confident, though. Like you know, I've I've always admired that about you growing up. You were always the popular kid in school. You know, you had all the friends. Yeah. I know not what that's always, like, but... though, going to a new area. I, I'm originally from the south south southwest Chicago suburbs, 
and I had always grown up in that culture. I made all my friends and I was comfortable in my bubble. And then the opportunity came to move elsewhere. And I wound up here near, near Cleveland and it's, it's super difficult making friends at first, but yeah. uh, you just, you have to be determined. You have to be confident. And you have to uh, lose weight before you move. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, no look more better for- look better in the place <laughs> you're moving to than you did at the place you were living do all right and once again to to my to our listeners out there do not body shame yourselves the fat isn't the problem but but if you can lose a couple pounds then go right ahead <laughs> that's okay so health, health not, is important it's not like losing weight if you can be healthy <laughs> that's fine just just make sure you're maintaining your health just you know Maintaining your health and figuring out a way to feel confident about yourself. Right. For me, exactly. it was losing the weight made me confident. It doesn't have to be losing weight, but you got to figure out a way to have some swagger. That's it. That's it. What does your shirt mean? You don't understand this? It says, is, uh-huh. still, is this still Lawn Boy? Yeah. What, what's that from? Uh, it's a fish t-shirt, fan oh. fish. <laughs> yeah. And it's, oh, it's a t-shirt specific to one song at one concert. Tony, was, if you don't know Clayton, Tony is a, is a fish fanatic. Yeah. I love fish. <laughs> I don't even, I don't listen to him anymore, but, uh, so this is from when they played, they did um, the Baker's Dozen, which was 13 shows in a row every night for 13 days at Madison Square Garden. And uh, the night I went to for this t-shirt was called Jam Filled Night. And Lawn Boy is a song, like, Fish is known for playing 15, 20, 25, 30-minute songs every once in a while. Right. But Lawn Boy is a song that is two or three minutes long. That's it. They, they sing it and they get out. It's a, it's like a lounge, like a cocktail lounge song. It's very kitschy. And for whatever reason that night, they took this two minute, three minute long song and played it for 32 minutes. <laughs> Just Everybody on. was asking, is this still long? I get it. Now. Yeah. And like literally, cause like it started out long boy and then it kind of drifted into all this jazzy stuff. And then it moved on to, lose like it just kind of ran the spectrum and then they eventually like people were just kind of saying is this still lawn boy (laughs) if it wasn't for tony i would have never heard of fish or tony anastasio ever in my life yeah yeah and i'm not a huge fish fan anymore but they're they're uh are they still making new albums they're playing right now. No shit. Georgia. They're playing right now up in Georgia. That, that is a group of musicians who are committed to the cause. And I for think, those of you out there who, who don't really get to see the other side of the music industry, um, just like in any other field, if you have a passion and it's taken from you and turned into a tool to make somebody else money, it becomes a chore. Okay. Yes. And uh, Fish is one of those bands who goes out there and says, fuck, you know, this, this ain't no chore. This ain't no job. 
this is just the shit I got to do today. You know, it's Preach. fucking, it's like what I do after lunch, you know, it's, you know, some, some people sit down after lunch and they go back to work or they go back to, to cleaning or they go back to working on their race car or whatever the fuck it may be. You know, if that's what satisfies you, whatever it is, that's, that's your passion. Nobody could take that from you. Don't let somebody come along and fucking ruin that shit for you. You know, if, if you like doing what you're doing, then that ain't no fucking job. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, like, uh, if you want to understand the, the economic model for being an artist, fish really put together the appropriate model for it. Like, yeah, absolutely. I read a book in college about it was called The Long Tail. <clears throat> and it was about just how like just the the scale of how things are sold in every industry and everything kind of goes in an exponential growth curve. And if you hit a certain stride, you go straight up that model. What Fish did is they kind of created a uh, uh, ecosystem that fed off itself with t-shirts, with live, like recording every one of their live albums or live shows, uh, selling their live shows at like 30 bucks a piece for people to watch at home. I almost spent 30 bucks tonight to go to watch Fish on, <laughs> on YouTube. So they're they're, they're mm -hmm. marketing their ass off then. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the model that everyone is adopting, but fish was really led the way in this sort of ecosystem that kind of feeds off of itself. And then you That's sell stupid cool. t-shirts where you don't just sell a t-shirt for your band, but you sell a t-shirt for, or the tour you're on, but you sell a t-shirt for a song at one show. Like it becomes that niche at a certain point. And that's what memes I, are. I know that uh, the Pixies are, are are playing live too, and I, I try to. I'm trying to get tickets up in Dallas to go see them. They're one of my favorite bands. Pixies are great. Yeah, I want one of the best shows I've ever been to at at the XL Center in in St. Paul. That's a, I, I I like the so, Minnesota. That's a good, it's a good venue. Yeah, we had such shitty venues in Minnesota growing the up. Yeah. <laughs> and now like everything's beautiful. The new Viking Stadium, the new Twin State uh Twins Field and and then Excel Center's fairly new. It's you know yeah. 15, 20 years old. That's the only one I've seen. I have not seen the new ones, other uh, new ones. No, I, I, I I've seen it, but I haven't gone inside the new Viking Stadium. It, it's the bands that the bands that stuck with me over the years, especially I'll I'll mention one. And they, I actually went to their final show <coughs> out of Chicago, 1,000 Vertical Feet. Phenomenal band. Some of the best fucking jam music I've ever heard in my entire really? life. 1,000 Vertical Feet? 1,000 Vertical Feet. Uh, they played their last show at... Uh, fuck! They closed the venue down. Um... It was across from the Aragon. I'll, I'll, the, it'll fucking pop into my head randomly. But uh, it's uh, they they gave me this whoopee cushion 
they gave they gave people in the in the audience this whoopee cushion, and uh, it <laughs> oh, had one thousand vertical feet on it. I still have it, and I I remember them this to this day. I can't I can't maybe I'm just well they're on SoundCloud. They have a bunch of their live recordings, but you can't find them anywhere else. But just the fact that they're so fucking good, it just keeps it keeps bringing me back to them. They've made an impact on me. That's great. As, as far as music listen, that as far as music listen, black fuck. <laughs> we as get far it. We as get it. music listenership goes, yeah. I said it. God damn it! I produced words. <laughs> I, I actually made a. I, when I when I finally heard about SoundCloud, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna make some." I, I made two songs for, uh, and I just posted them on SoundCloud. Like, yeah, Tony plays plays instruments. He's but this was this was pure digital. It wasn't my banjo. It wasn't guitar. I just made a song digitally completely and put it on SoundCloud. <laughs> Tony was who got me into playing guitar. Actually, I know so, you tried. To, you, yeah, you tried to be like me for a minute. For a long minute. <laughs> and i tried to be like my cousin david from california like that's how oh, it goes yeah. you just it, it, it's it's a disease it's a disease of being cool like, <laughs> you just see someone who's cool and you're just god damn it i gotta be that guy yeah uh, yeah my cousin david he was super cool he had long hair he played music he was super hippie he, at, at Tony's uh, graduation party, he had his band play. They played uh, White Stripes stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we... Um, now I play banjo, but, but the, the songs I put on SoundCloud, it's more like... It's all digital shit. Okay. It's just, just, to, just to fuck around. You know, one, one of the bands that I've always liked, that I've, I've stuck with for years and years and years, is Modest Mouse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I like Modest Mouse. What, what were they called before Modest Mouse? They were something else before. Um, I, I, now that you ask me, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, yeah, but they've been around for a while. They're, like they're since they're like, dope. Yeah, since like the early 2000s or 1998, I think. Yeah, because I I knew them before they were Modest Mouse because of the hippie girls I used to hang out with. And uh, and then ugly Casanova, ugly Casanova, ugly Casanova. Yes, yeah. I used to listen to burnt CDs of Sublime, ugly Casanova, and Atmosphere. Atmosphere, because he's from he's from Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, just these hippie chicks that I would just drive around and smoke weed with. It was yeah, that's what that, that that was your crowd in high school. Like that was that was like when we grew up there. Like th that time frame, every like being a hippie was cool. Yeah, yeah, we were we were caught in the '60s nostalgia. Like I, I didn't I didn't I didn't like any of the modern music when I was in high school mm -hmm. and when I was I I, I, I hated just, it. Like Tony got me into like Tony, Tony's who got me into Led Zeppelin. Like that was that that's my favorite band all time. Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, The, the Doors, Doors, Grateful all, Dead, yeah, all those guys. You know, I, I, that's what I listened to in high school. I didn't listen to the bullshit music <laughs> that was coming out. Yeah, I remember uh, after eighth grade, going from middle school to high school. One of my friends, he was like a super funny kid who was really cool with all the older kids. He just pulled me aside one day and he's like, "Hey, we're going into high school. It's not cool." 
to listen to hip hop or punk right, or anything right. in high school. What you need to listen to are The Doors, Led Zeppelin. And he just gave me a list. And then he gave me a stack of CDs. He's like, you have to listen to these over the summer. So I was like, okay. And so I just kept playing them until I liked them. And then when I went into freshman year of high school, I was obsessed with these bands. And it was all because one of my friends was like, dude, my brother, he's in, he's in 11th grade. You've got to be cool with these bands. Like, you got to know these bands. Exact same story for, for me, too. Like, it, not even, like, from you, but, like, you know, I had I, when I had friends in high school or in middle school, like, they had their older brothers that were, like, you know, they were all a bunch of hippies. And so to be cool, you know, that we started, you know, listening to all that crap. And we're talking, we, I would talk shit about rap and, and hip hop and all that. Like that, that was like my, my thing is like hip hop, rap is this crap. And thankfully Jeff was cool with that because he fucking hated rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course he would be. But he was hair metal. What about yeah. you? What, what were you listening to? Did you make a transition <laughs> into high school with your music? Me? Uh, yeah. Well, <sighs> musically, I listened to insane clown posse, weren't you? Oh fuck no. <laughs> I well I, I can appreciate their music as as a music appreciator. However, I was all over the map. Uh when I was just entering high school, I was listening to to, to artists such as Armin Van Buren, Amon Tobin, nerd. uh stuff like yeah, to, total nerd, trust me. But, I, that's what I like I, now though. Hey, I, I didn't even reach my prog rots stage yet. Okay. So yes. let's, let's hold yes. on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get into yes and uh just was just that was call? that was my sophomore year. I, I encountered Opeth and I was like, oh fuck, all right. Dude, Opeth's prog, great. Prog rock's a thing. Oh yeah. I'm a big fan of Opeth. Uh some of the the first song that I heard from them was was Blackwater Park. I remember it. I remember it o- like Opeth, it was yesterday. Opeth and Porcupine Trees. I like. Um, so as far as as pro, well, I'll back up here. So EDM. I I had always grown up appreciating classical music because that was my background. I grew up playing violin and cello. I'm a classically trained artist. Um, and so, you know, I progressed from this classical stage to trance because it sounded trance is what sounded like orchestral music to me. Yes. And I loved it. And, and I was actually censored growing up. I, I, the most rambunctious I was able to get was Lincoln park and <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it. Tell me about it. But I had, I had also discovered other, other artists during that time unbeknownst to my parents, such as Limp Biscuit. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, Family Values Tour 98. I oh, went yeah. to that shit. That's awesome. I wish I could have gone or appreciated it. That was more my deeply. second concert. And the first concert, my parents didn't get divorced because of Oh, fuck yeah, buddy. <laughs> Reason it, to celebrate. Yeah, go on. And I, I, I progressed from, from those things. I started finding out more about, you know, stuff like, uh, like Kid Rock, Eminem. <laughs> um, and getting into my later years, I started to find other bands like um, Children of Bodom, Slayer. 
Slayer um, is amazing. I like Slayer a lot. Um, and I really like their new album that they came out with. It's fucking sick. Yeah, it's good shit, man. Uh, Children of Bodom, I, I really like their covers. Like, they, they fuck, like they take some of these these classics and they make them into absolute fucking bangers, dude. Jesus Christ, I love that shit. Uh, like I think Jesse's I need girl, to be in the military to like hardcore music. What's that? <laughs> I said I, I feel like I need to be in the military to get into like the hardcore. Music. That's that's what that's when I got into like metal and shit. I didn't like metal when I before I joined the military. Yeah, I, I thought I thought metal was just like screaming and bull, but then I got into it. <laughs> but uh, what what is uh? Hold on, I'm trying to think. Of hold on, I want to hear what I want to hear the rest of his progression now. Like, yeah, go. Yeah, sorry, go for it, man. So it's no big deal. Then then from there, I I progressed on to um, I I don't know. I, I call it my cultured phase where I started discovering bands like um. <laughs> Like Soundgarden, Dream Theater, <laughs> Periphery. <laughs> that's, that's your per- <laughs> I, I went. I went. I went through a little. Uh, well, I, I like to call Periphery. I I, I affectionately call them Pertitfery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love least, them though. At least I love you didn't them. go through like the emo stage. Oh, yeah. um, I almost did. I almost did. I, I I was attracted to the culture, and I was like, wait, wait, what are they? What are they talking about in these songs? Nah, bro. Nah, nah. <laughs> I, but, uh, too much I can understand. That depressed. It, it's a valid expression. I understand. And music is a positive outlook. So I will always support them for that. Uh, but then I, I, progressed, I progressed into um, other things like, um, like Parav Stellar, the Parav Stellar Trio, for example. I've never uh, heard of them before. They are. I would. I would. I would consider them progressive. Um, they they have, sound like a progressive. Progressive. But. They have a very jazzy feel to them, and uh, sort almost electronic in a way. Um, I'm. I'm not. I, like I said before, I abhor labels, so I. I. I'm terrible at paying attention to what artists classify themselves as, but whatever right. they yeah, do, that, that, that shit's jazzy as hell. That that doesn't matter anymore. It no, mattered. It, doesn't. it used to matter, but it doesn't matter anymore. No, now we have we have um, now we have country rappers, and we have um, rappers who are country now. So it, it, you know, <laughs> <Yeah. it's, laughs> we've come full circle. Yes, yeah. and it's beautiful. The progression of music is a beautiful thing because yeah, it reflects we're, we're, society. We're, when when people say that music today is bad, I'm like, you're just lazy, like. We're in the most beautiful moment in music history right now. Some of our, hey, some of our grandparents and even our parents used to call things like the Beatles as like an abomination to the fucking yeah. earth. <laughs> but and, they and those, were those part of the like, progress. Like, like like candy shop fucking bands now. And I hear people talking about my pussy this. and <laughs> No, but music today is the greatest it's ever been in human history. <laughs> Oh, yeah, fuck it's, yeah. It's, so, it's so diverse. It's all it, you can you can it's get any, any, anything that you want. It's right there at, the, at your fingertips. And we still have the Beatles. Yeah, right. I, I, I've been I've been getting into listening to, to records the past five or six years, like going to record stores and actually listening to vinyl. I I, I really like vinyl. 
Um, I know that's trendy and hip, hip hipsterish, but like I, it, it, it's got like a, um, for, for me, it's got like a uh, nostalgic feel to it. It's a tactile. Yeah, friend... it's not even the sound. It, it, it's it's like it, it it reminds me of when I listen to shit on tapes and Absolutely. that one, you know, to take something so... out to, to the stuff you have to do to make the sound happen instead of just pressing a button. You have to take it out. If you put it on the thing, you have to lift the thing and put it down. That means something. The medium right. is the message. Right. It means something. And it was actually, it was around the time when I was, I was, I was just kind of like, I, 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 I wouldn't say I was getting out of it, but I, I went through and I still may possibly be in a bass music phase. I, I like dubstep a lot. And uh, so artists like, you know, going back in time, like um, like MLK, for example, going forward in time, and you see artists like uh, uh, I guess um, like Dips Diplo, Long Beach um, Dub All Stars, Long, Long Beach Dub All Stars, yeah, Redneck, that was my shit. Right even even fucking, <laughs> and I say this affectionately. I don't know if the off chance he fucking listens to this, but I say this affectionately. Fucking Skrillex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dude, that, yeah, that, that made a it was ton of money. Yeah, it was it was during that time that uh, I I met a friend of mine. He became a really good friend of mine, and I hope he listens to this and he fucking hears this part because I love you, man. But he 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 had this vinyl collection that ultimately was disposed of on, against his will. Um, he got me into punk music, so I, I started hearing about bands like um, like like the secretions for example and i was like holy fuck like this this music's fucking awesome so my my record my 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 listening folder grew even bigger and i i love i love all of it so to to answer the original question what do i listen to it's pretty much everything except for pop because that shit's fucking garbage it just any genre of pop yeah i mean i i mean it's analogous to how we get our information. Mm-hmm. Like saying you don't like pop is like saying I don't like Fox News or CNN. You don't like, even have to I politicize would... it to realize how fucking garbage it is. It's the same fucking formula over and over again. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what no, about I this? Would... Relate to that. And uh, moral of the story is this. But uh, yeah, it's like I care about this thing, so I'm not just going to consume the easiest. Thing that's presented to me. That's why I like prog music, dude. Like, like, what about what? What about the demons that plagued your life? You know how you're gonna explain that in a fucking pop song? You're gonna be like, uh, my girlfriend broke up with me and I broke away. Or you can fucking you can go prog about it and be like, you know, the fucking the dark room of my insipid desires led to my fucking ultimate demise or something fucking profound and, and deep and actually yeah. expressional go ahead no you know you know what's sad about like when it comes to like music and activism is you have all these bands that you grew up with that were anti-system anti this anti that but now that we're we're adults and they're still around like they're like pro authority pro uh, government pro like it they, 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 they like gave up their message and now they like, they lean to the left for the most part yeah, Bulls on I mean, parade, brother. Bulls yeah, on parade. But, but yeah, but that's 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 what happens is 
there, there is a larger popular system, whether it's the news, politics, music, and you need to, uh, if you get to a certain level, you need to appeal to the largest audience possible. Right. Yeah. Disney, Disney is the champion of this. Disney knows how to do this. And then you get like Korean toppings. They're the champions of this too. They, you have to appeal to the largest possible audience you can. It, it, it became about money instead of, and, and instead of hook it. fighting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I do think um, when it comes to like techno music and DJ music and stuff, I used to hate that stuff. But what I've come to realize with that sort of way of making music that that is the OG way to make things. Absolutely. Like that is uh, someone who's doing like um, DJ music. That's a composer. That is Beethoven. That is Mozart. That is Tchaikovsky. Like the original great like composers, they made, they wrote the music. They built the structure and then they then they weren't the ones who performed it it's the modern day interpretation of that right and and where where it was an orchestra before the orchestra is the computer now but it's the same thing so when people are like oh i don't like techno music because i'm not a big fan of that style of music but uh i eventually had to come to terms with like realizing like oh that's the old version Right, like having a band and only four people playing the music, and no, you know, it's it, that's the new way to do things. Like a DJ is doing the old way of music. The old no, way they of music are. is, yeah, you sit down, you write it, and then something else plays it for you. You don't, you don't need the people anymore. You have the device on, on yeah, on, with you know. But the original musician didn't play their music; they wrote right, it. Right, right, right. That's a very solid. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I like to listen to when I'm like trying to chill or like when I'm working. I, I like listening to Wagner and I like listening to like Mozart and stuff. Like it helps me because I am severely ADHD and I can't take ADHD medicine because I have a seizure disorder, and so like I have to like find ways to keep myself in tune and, and i found that classical music has really helped me not be all over the place that's great i i need to talk to you offline about that because i have adhd i want to get off my medication we fucking found we we found each other fucking tribe yo fucking yeah. tribe <laughs> I, I, do some, I do some um out, outside uh I, like i do some um I'm trying to think how do you say this, like um, non-prescription type medicine that's, you know, not not weed. Like, have you ever tried Kratom? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I yeah, see, yeah, I, I take, I take, I take Kratom in the morning when I wake up and it helps me, like, fucking get up and kick my yeah. ass into gear. Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird because it's associated with the receptors that opium does but it's right. more of a coffee but it's a for, coffee for, family plant for me it focuses me it, it gets it, it it like calms me down and gets my mind like in a in a in a, in a more narrow view where I, I can i can like focus on individual um 
problems because that, that's something that I've had a really bad issue with is conflating all these problems and making them out to be much bigger yeah. than what they really are. It's it, it really is a miracle drug in, in some senses because it really it kind of cuts through it, it like all these other forms of drugs kind of they have these ups and downs that like really make it not uh, a functional thing, but Kratom kind of keeps it in the middle. It's, it's an interesting drug. I, I think it's, I don't even like calling it a drug. It's an in- interesting supplement. I really like it. Fuck, you guys. <laughs> I think, how long has it been? Like two and a half hours? <laughs> no, we've, been going, we've been going for three. It's almost mid. It's, it's almost <laughs> This, I am not. So in our one of our recent episodes, I cut it short because we decided it was too long to have one episode. And that was the popular opinion. But I'm going to leave this as one fucking gigantic episode. <laughs> If you've made it this far, I commend you. And if, <laughs> if I were there with you right now, I'd offer you a fucking very satisfying high five. Title this as the Road Trip Podcast. The Road Trip Podcast. The Joe, Ro- Joe Rogan level. The Road Trip Podcast, an ADHD nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, God. We did it. Three hours. Goddamn. That's a long time. The fucking goon squad super episode super yeah. episode. I, I think we're gonna have to wrap this up what do you guys think you all want yeah. to say something else you're the, I, you're the boss um, i'm just here for for <laughs> no i think i, I think we'll, time. I, I, I i have definitely have more time but i i think i'm gonna wrap it up no so. no i said i'm saying i had a great time I, like, oh. I, I i enjoyed our discussion thoroughly Hell yeah, are you man. keen right now me What's up? yeah no, I'm, I'm letting my dog outside. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's disappointing. I thought that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it was good talking to you. And Tony, if you want to talk more, we can talk. Uh, um... Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll be in touch. All right, man. Oh, yeah. All right. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up then, folks. Once again. I would like to profusely thank you for listening to our show, The Ramblings of uh, Liberty-Minded Goons. <laughs> and, and, you know, like as I said earlier, if, if you are a whistleblower right. and you're speaking out and your coworkers or the institution or somebody is persecuting you, um, minimalizing you, stressing you out, whatever it is, Come to us. We'll give you a platform to speak. Um, Make your bed when you wake up. (laughs) Eat your breakfast. Eat your Wheaties. Eat your spinach so you can be bills like Popeye and drink that motherfucking water. So my name is Clayton Moore. You can find me on Twitter at I am Clayton Moore. I'm Uncle Tony. And uh, you can find me at uh, Tony Seltzer 13 on Instagram. And that's uh, the only way you can find me. <laughs> I, I'm Trent Ortner. I'm on Twitter. You can find me at, at Trent Ortner, or you can find me at, at Caucus Redacted. And you can find us on Twitter at the Goon Squad PR. Peace out, everybody. Thanks for checking in, and we'll see you next time.
Adios. Peace. Peace.